What kind of music should you listen to while fishing? Something catchy. You're listening to the Smackdown Outdoors podcast. This episode of the podcast is brought to you by AllIceFishing.com. What's up, everybody? How are you today? I'd like to call this the Halloween edition, but this won't be out until, like, the end of November almost. Episode number four of the SmackDown Outdoors podcast. I'm your host, Doug Glimmerbean, and we got Kyle. Manifel. <laughs> he, he cut me off. He knew it. Well, did you, I was going to say the, the nickname, but that's okay. Hot Pants. Yeah, we got Kyle Hot Pants Manifel back in the building. <laughs> if uh, you haven't listened to the previous episodes, he's on episode number two. We talk a lot uh, about tournament fishing and a couple other fishing subjects. Um, Yeah, what up? Another day in the life. I hear that. Um, There's a couple things I want to do from here on out on the podcast that I didn't get. I was going to do it last one with Alan, but I didn't get a chance to. Um. After the intro of, hi, how are you doing, Kyle? Dabba, 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 dabba. We're going to list off on each episode two different things. We're going to do two different things. One is we're going to list off the state the, the state fishes or fish. Is it it's fishes, right? Fish. Well, yeah, but that poster at Betos on the thing says the fishes of Minnesota. Oh, yeah, I, I guess. Anyway. We're going to name off a state fish. We'll just start in alphabetical order according to state. And today, the very first one is Alabama. How many people in Alabama that listen to this are are, are like going, roll tide? (laughs) I don't know. What's Okay, so Alabama, University of Alabama. Yep. They say roll tide because they're the crimson tide. Yep. Their mascot's an elephant. Yeah, it doesn't make much sense. No. But they're from Alabama, so right. <laughs> I'll just right. leave that one alone. And, and think about this. Crimson Tide, right? Crimson is a shade of red. Mm-hmm. Right? Red Tide. Isn't that what just like affected Florida? Yeah. Yeah. So Alabama is not only killing football teams, they're also killing manatees and sea life. Good job, Alabama. I don't know. I think that's kind of cool. Like, here comes the here comes the plague. Here you know? comes like, the we're gonna get you. Here comes some sort of water fungus or algae, <laughs> some killer algae. Yeah, change. Hey, hey, Alabama, change your mascot from elephant to algae. There you go. Anyway, we love you, Alabama. <laughs> I'm a Gopher fan, so yeah, yeah. Have fun winning another national championship. So the state fish of Alabama is Kyle. Largemouth bass. Yep, the largemouth. Green carp. Green. <laughs> Can you tell he's a walleye guy? Um, the binomial nomenclature, I'm guessing that's the Latin name. Is that what binomial nomenclature? Yeah. Also yeah. called, or binary form of spe- naming species Latin. Yeah, okay. So the Latin name is, you want to take a shot at that? Micropaturus. Salmodes? Micropterus salmodes. Yeah, there you go. Either that or Micropterus. Micropterus salmoids? I don't know. You got to throw a little Latin Latin touch on it. Largemouth bass. Yep. Is a freshwater game fish in the Centra Chidae 
or sunfish family. <laughs> yeah. See, that's why that's why bass are so easy to catch because all they are is big sunfish. Yeah, and sunfish eat anything. Don't read the big words. Yeah, we'll leave those ones out. Uh, species of <laughs> species of black bass native to North America. It is known by a variety of regional names such as what did you just call it? Green carp. Green carp. Green carp. Wide mouth bath bass. Big mouth black bass. I'm gonna stop saying bass. Black bucket mouth largies. Potter's fish. Potter's fish. What? Hmm. Florida bass, Florida largemouth, green bass, green trout. Green trout, that's a new one. Gilsdorf bass, Oswego bass, southern largemouth, and paradoxically, northern largemouth, or LMB. Who calls them LMB? Not me. I don't know. I kind of like that, though. Yeah. Maybe it'll pick up. Uh huh. <laughs> the largemouth bass is also the state fish of. You guys will have to listen to further podcasts to listen to that, to hear those. Uh, yeah. So, that's a largemouth bass. Do you guys want to know anything else about that? Well, look it up. That's what Google's for. And that's your state fish for Alabama. Yeah. Yep. I kind of like doing that. Yeah. Just some information on a different fish. Not bad. Yeah. I was I just... Uh... And what we'll do is after 50 episodes, there's some that actually... Some states that actually have a... a saltwater version too like alabama's got a saltwater version and some of those Ooh, what is that florida i don't know but don't say it yeah like this well, thing yeah that's just a go uh that's awesome looks like a goldfish california you got a weird one for the old saltwater you'll we'll have to stay tuned yeah we'll get back to that one later alabama largemouth bass there's your state fish the second thing i want to do is go back to if you haven't listened to the second uh podcast shame on you and if you did we were touching on the Minnesota Fishing Museum and Hall of Fame and the Master Angler Program, where if you catch a fish and it reaches a certain length or weight, depending on if you caught, released, or kept the fish, you can send the info in and they give you a little certificate stating that you caught you know, a fish that uh, was big enough to be uh, you know, a master angler. And if you get you know, so many of those during the year, you get even more prestigious qualifications. Yeah, type of deal, yeah. Last time we had, we talked about, um, oh, it was, where is he? It was Jason, 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 Jacob, Jacob Dalbolt, which actually he's got another one on here. He's got a bunch of them. Yeah, he does. There's good Lord. I'm, I'm pretty sure Jacob's got the Matt Grandmaster, whatever you want to call it. He's coming for your title. One, two, three. Yeah, but he didn't do it in a day. <laughs> he's coming for the next Look year. At, one, two, three, four. He yeah. must have... But they're not in the same Ooh, day. Little cormorant. Oh, really? Where? Yeah, right there. Oh, Rock what bass. Is this? Rock bass. 11-incher. I mean, well, okay. I've got those on, on that one. He's he's coming for you. Yeah, he ain't Next year, he's going to hear one, this two, podcast. Three, four, well, he's got the... <laughs> he's the, coming for the Glimmer V He's title. got the major, or what, what do they call it? The masters? Yep. Oh, yeah. He's got it, because there's one, two, three, four, and five. Well, congratulations, Jacob. Jacob Dahlbohl. He's got the, uh, okay, what did they call it? Let's see. Hold on. What is it? The Grandmaster. Grand he got the Grandmaster, which means you got five of those in one year, all different species. So that's pretty cool. Um, so anyway, today we're going to talk about Troy Green. Troy Green from Rochester, Minnesota, and on October 18th of this year, in Washington County on the St. Croix River, he caught a sturgeon, a lake sturgeon. That was 58 inches. 
That's a nice fish. Oh, yeah. Look at the mouth on that thing. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Definitely stick your fist in there. Yeah. Big old sturgeon. Those things are fun. My biggest is 52. Um, it was released. And let's tell the catch story. You can write a little story, which I don't think I did when I sent mine in because it's a 27-incher on Lake of the Woods. Big deal. Uh, we started fishing towards 5.30 on Wednesday throughout the night. I was the only one in the boat not to catch a fish. Only consecutive mud puppies. Nasty salamander things, he says. <laughs> nice. <laughs> After 15 hours of 30-degree temperatures, Jesus, loss of sleep, 13 mud puppies, and some complaining about wanting to leave, it's always this guy. It's always the guy that's like, oh. Oh, yeah. We should probably go get some breakfast. Next, thing you, next thing you know. <laughs> The beast decided to take my line. That was the longest five to ten minute battle I think I've ever had with a fish. It got tangled in the anchor line, wrapped under the fishing line, under, uh, wrapped under another fishing line, and then around the motor as everyone in the boat tried to help get it untangled. With the heavy action rod looking similar to hooking a five pound bass with a panfish ice rod, and me looking like I'm fighting a tuna, yeah, close enough, I gladly say... Well, this is by far the biggest mud puppy I've ever hooked into. Ha ha. <laughs> yeah, I would say so. <laughs> the image of the beast finally rolling up to the surface is haunting in the best way. Biggest fish of my life by far. Shout out to Trevor Slifka. Hopefully I said that right. For getting me onto this monster dinosaur. Trevor was also his witness. And unlike Jacob and his catfish, looks like Trevor actually took the picture and not a selfie. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We're just giving you a hard time, Jacob. I'm just jealous you got the Grandmaster. So congratulations to Mr. Troy Green. That is a nice fish, 58-incher out of the St. Croix. Healthy-looking fish, too. Oh, yeah. It's not like a lot of those skinny ones that uh, you see out of the river. Right. Those, those rainy river hogs in the spring. Oh, God. Oh, well, my 52 was, I mean, it's close to being that big around. They're huge up there in the rainy river. Oh, yeah. Big. Oh, St. Croix got them too. What was that? A couple years ago, they caught that the unofficial state record ice fishing. That was like what 117 pounds, they guesstimated, or, or something like that. It was something crazy, or maybe it was a not inches. I I don't know what it was. Remember the specifics, but yeah. but yeah. And then like otter tail. Remember fishing that this spring? You could see them all up there. I mean, oh, they were jumping all over the place. <laughs> that was nuts. I, I kept hearing them, and I'd look over, and it'd just be the splash. I didn't see the fish, and I happened to be looking right down. I was in the back, looking towards the front. And one jumped about 30, 30 feet in front of the boat. And I was like, oh, those are sturgeon that are jumping. And it was about a four-footer. It's it crazy. And then when we were on the river, going bucking down the river, and all of a sudden that one looked like it was going to jump in the boat. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that otter tail is nuts the way it cleared up. And you can see them. You're sight, trying to sight fish walleyes nowadays, and you just see the sturgeon don't, aren't even scared of the boat. And they just, yeah, they they just skirt you, or they'll come swimming right by you. And yep. It's nuts. So there we go. So we're going to do state fish and then Minnesota Fishing Museum and Hall of Fame Master Angler. We'll give some shout-outs to those people. Yeah. So there we go. There's that. Um, Do you want to touch on that or do you want to save it for another show? No. Let's dip into it. All right. It's the hot topic now. Here we go, people. (laughs) Now, this is going to come out a little later than, you know, like I said, this is like, I don't know, I think this episode's coming out like the 26th of November. But just on the October 30th, 2018. (sighs) God, you know, there was three things I didn't want to talk about on this podcast ever. (laughs) Well, you already dipped into like all of them. And you're not even a couple episodes in. We didn't talk about religion. Well. Or politics. 
but outdoor, like, outdoors wise. Yeah. But my, my rules were no religion, no politics, like, you know, presidents and senators, that politics. Mm-hmm. And then Mille Lacs Lake was the third. And I've already broken that at least once. Yeah. Yeah. But it happens. I know. And it's a hot topic. Yeah. yeah I'm going to ha- I'm gonna have to. I'm just, so many people I'm going to have... try to keep it factual and not do too much opinionating even oh, though yeah. i'm sure i, I we yeah, did that it's, in the it's last gonna one. it's gonna happen uh, and whether your opinions are right or wrong i mean it doesn't matter everyone like me and you specifically like i am always open to hear everyone oh, for sure interpretation mm-hmm. you know well from from down the line you know yeah i mean i had an opinion going into when it first hit the fan yep. and then hearing from different people and different sources and all this over in the things that have happened you know, I, you can change your opinion. It's okay to change your opinion these oh, days. Oh, yeah. So yep. I've changed my opinion. Well, just and, be open-minded, too, yeah. you know. Yep. All right. So Lake Malax winter anglers allowed one walleye starting on December 1st. So that'll be about five days from when you guys are listening to this. You can take one one fish. Uh, the slot is 21 to 23. You can take them in between 21 and 23 or one over 28, which here's my rant. <clears throat> and I touched on it the last time. The 28 is ridiculous. It needs to be moved down to like 26. That's my feeling on that. 21 to 23, all they're doing is continually chasing the same slot. Because I think last year it was 20 to 22. And the year before it was like 19 to 21. So they're just chasing that same year class, knocking that year class down. Yep. The, I'm not a fish biologist, but isn't one of the best breeding areas right around that 21 to 23 for a walleye? From what I maybe? From all the different opinions and things that I've seen, like pretty much up to 25 is like, you know, 20 to 25 is, is, is that kind of general range as far as breeding stock goes. But, um, see, my opinion is we should be able to take, if you're going to let me take one fish, let me take one fish regardless of size. One fish regardless of size. Yeah. Every, Even if you want to go, okay, 20, it's got to be at least 21 or it's at least 22. Yep. Anything over that. Because in Mille Lacs, you're going to catch a ton of fish over 20 inches. Right. I mean, that's yep. most of the fish I catch is over 20 inches. Oh, yeah. Unless there's, I'm on that one rock pile, then that's all the 17, 18s. <laughs> I'm guessing that thing's probably close to the nursery somewhere. There's yeah. like a nursery area up there, and they just <laughs> never really leave that until they get big and then move out. I don't know. Maybe not. But I think you should be able to keep one fish regardless of size. Yeah, and I know people have talked about, too, just due to how the poundage system shakes out like years previous people were talking about like i know uh um johnson's port side has had put out a couple of things or whatever talking about well why don't you allow us instead of you know since their quota is based off pounds why don't you allow us to take home fish based off inches give us 32 inches of walleye so i can take home one fish or i can take home you know like let's say a 15 a 15 yeah, yeah 15 and a 16 incher or you know whatever give me give me an inch and you know actually and, that would by taking two two 15s compared to 130 would actually take out less poundage because two 15s do not weigh the same as a right right so but i mean that yeah. that was just one of the things that was 
it's you know, I heard concept. being talked about and you know there's there's so many different ways to do it and chop it up but I mean I would have me personally I would have liked to seen if they were going to do some some kind of slot I would have really liked to seen um just just from my experience and fishing up there this year I seen strong year classes of like just about every size fish mm-hmm. and a lot of them were congregated together so um I would have really liked to seen like maybe a mid 20s you know or like a I don't know, 23 to whatever, you know, up. You know, you can have one or you can have, I don't know, there was a lot of 17 to 19-inch fish, I thought. So I would would say maybe one in there. And here's a a walleye length frequency distribution 2018 out of 52 nets. The percent frequency they... 17 to 19, look at that. I mean, I said there's a lot of them. I think think those should probably be thinned out because those are going to be the predators coming up here, you know, cannibalizing themselves. Yep. Yeah, it looks like the percentage frequency of caught in the net, you've got, you know, it's 6 inches to 28 and, you know, 6, 7, blah, blah, blah. You know, they're all pretty much under 5 except for 10 inches. They're pretty much all under 5 fish, I'm guessing, per net, whatever, how the hell that works. And then all of a sudden it goes to 17, and you go from 5 to almost 12. 18 goes up to 15, and then 19 is at almost 13. Yeah, Yeah, so there's this giant spike of 17 to 20s. And then look at the preferred option harvest slot. I'm guessing this is in 2018, for 2018 or whatever maybe, is 21-22, which they went 20, was it 21 to 23? So right in there. So, yeah, they're they're keep chasing this year class. Yep. All the way down. I mean, what, what uh, next year they're going to bump it up again? So it's twenty two to twenty four, and then twenty three to twenty five, or yep. whatever. I mean, it's. And I don't. I don't disagree with. Uh, this is the, good news right here, though, that there's a ton of seventeen to twenties. But. Well, we need I mean, some of these guys to those, those fish are going to grow up, and that's yeah. going to create more <clears throat> problems if the forage doesn't, you know, kick in and, yep. and the shiners really come back the way they used to be. I mean, then, I think we should be knocking down these right here, these seventeen to twenties. Keep yep. it all level. Because in my opinion, when it comes to walleyes, Malax obviously has too many damn walleyes in it. Because anybody can go up there on darn near any day, given day. There's tough days, sure. They can catch fish. They can catch 10, 20, 30, 40, 50 walleyes. Anybody. Some guy who literally just goes up there with some jigs and some minnows who doesn't know what he's doing right. can just drag him around and catch a bunch of walleyes. Wow. Walleyes are supposed to be elusive, right? Yeah. Right. Well, they're not on Mille Lacs. And and obviously, too, you know, I mean, once again, the size, you know, you can target size and everything gets a little more difficult and blah, blah, blah. But giving the right time of year, you know, like let's say early season, you know, and and it's calm or or whatever. If, If you can get out there on a boat and it's not too windy and you see a group of boats which most people are going to go right to that group of boats and they are going to yep. pound them just like you're talking about. But obviously weather and time of the year, you know, once the deep bite and they start going on the mud or they start transitioning, yeah. people... Aim, aim tournament this year for me, thanks. Well, well, some sometimes people, you know, they, they're not they're not going to be able to go right. out there and do that. But yeah. generally speaking, when it's calm and they can see a group of boats pounding on them, they're oh, going to yeah. be out there doing the same thing. Yeah. But I don't know. I think it's. I think the problem I see here is with the seventeen to twenties that there's so many. Yeah. But there's not enough back here. So you've got all these bigger fish here, and big fish. You know, I guarantee you, there's more than what's portrayed here. You know, 
I, I definitely agree es- with that. Especially in this 23 to 26. Maybe the 27, 28, I get it, okay. But I just think these fish, they don't put the nets where those fish are. Well, that, you know? that has that's another big thing because they've been, yeah, being out there this year and specifically seeing a lot of these nets and watching the DNR put them out there and uh, go th- be, I was, you know, on the water while they were placing their nets. No those, way, really? those, oh, yeah, those cool. fish had already transitioned. Yeah. Out of that area where yeah. they're putting their their nets to actually get their population during the the late spring. Oh, I've I've heard it multiple different it, people saying they're putting them in the wrong spots if they want an accurate count. Oh, it was com- completely off. Yeah. you know, com- way off. And uh, I mean, if I mean, obviously they got they got some data from there, but they have them you know spread a little bit throughout. But if you if you're going to try to get the actual population of walleyes, go to where the walleyes live. Right. You know, and don't try to you know net thirty inches or twenty eight inches uh, in ten feet of water in June and July. Yeah, no. maybe early June. Yeah, full moon, sure, maybe. I mean, yeah, I don't, maybe, I, yeah. I don't know. Yeah, but, but I don't know. I, I'm not. I don't. I mean, it's good to see that there's a lot of seventeen to twenties in this lake. You know, but you know, some of the problems we have is when were they netted? How were they netted? Where were they netted? Right. Are we getting the correct number? I mean, 13 dips, it dips way down 13. Is that a bad, you know, year class 12 and 13? Or right. is that just, they weren't netting in the right place? Right. Well, but, and all these numbers could be skewed due to that. Oh, yeah. You know, but I do think some of those bigger fish should come out of there. I mean, I, all in all. I, I say take everything out of 25, gets out of the lake. Mandatory, yeah. keep it out. I just want that forage um, to come back. That, that's gonna kill them. That's gonna as long as as long as the food comes back strong, you know, stronger <clears throat> than if the food comes back stronger than the fish population, you know. Well, that's what you you know, and that's like we talked about last time. You have too many big fish in the lake. They're eating all the forage before the smaller ones can get to it. Right. You know, and then cannibalizing themselves. You know. Yeah, so. and then the big ones they eat the small ones if the food runs out. So then you got nothing but big ones and then no small ones. Yep, and so, then that's why they bite so good. That's why everyone can go up there and catch a bunch of fish. Exactly. They're all starving. Yep. So anyway, yeah, you can keep one walleye starting December 1st, so more than likely we got a month to go. You think we're going to have ice or guys going to be out there in the boats again? I guarantee you Colby Gallagher and Dusty oh, Carter, oh, yeah, they're, they're going to be busting out <laughs> harbors. If there's a 100-yard stretch yeah. of open water, they're going to yep. skate that crest liner right yep. across the ice. If anybody has any sort of indestructible taillights <laughs> for, boat, for boat trailers, talk to Colby Gallagher. Uh, yeah, they could use them because they trashed their last ones. Yeah, they, they get out there every year. That's one of their favorite bites it's either hit or miss they say and they, they they'll talk about it all year that's one of the things they oh they brought for. it up lake of the woods oh yeah brought it they show me like pictures and stuff of yeah. how much i'm like you broke that much ice oh yeah we had to get out there <laughs> like you guys are crazy <laughs> mississippi's open all year round just so people know <laughs> and there's walleyes in there all year long just go up by the dam all right so that's malax one uh, one walleye in between 21 to 23 and don't if it's close to 21, like 21 and an eighth, uh, just throw it back because by the time the DNR gets to you, it'll be back down to 20 and <laughs> seven eighths or whatever. Yeah. They shrink a little bit. Or one over 28, so you can keep a good trophy. Yeah. So, all right. That's enough for Malax. Let's talk some some hunting. Um, here's some. I came across this. Hunters avoid harvesting ear-tagged and radio-collared research bears which apparently actually is for the first time that's ever happened that a bear with a collar or whatever has not been shot. 
For the first time, none of the collared research bears were killed. Um, apparently, they got kind of they kind of contacted people and got the word out there, going, "Hey, please don't you know kill these bears. We're trying to figure out stuff." Um, there wasn't many that were actually that it- are actually tagged. I, I read somewhere oh 30, 30 of them had radio collars across the state. Is there yeah. a, is there a fine? Is there some no, any repercussions? No. Um, researchers with the DNR are monitored are monitoring about 30 of them across the state and asked hunters to voluntarily avoid shooting these valuable research <laughs> subjects. <laughs> these valuable research subjects. So now we're giving them... Guinea pigs. You know, giant some, giant yeah. black Well, look at pigs. this This one in the picture they got. It's a frick... I'm shooting that thing. Sorry, I'll give you your collar back. You can oh. put it on a, new, on a different one. Uh, a key to our research is being able to monitor the same individuals year after year because conditions vary year after year. I get it. I do. It's like uh, Father Hennepin up by Malax. Yep. They've got the albino deer population. Yep. And they have a kid's youth hunt in there all the time. And they tell you, if you're the parent, because they got to have a parent with them, please don't let little Billy shoot the albino deer. Let him pass. <laughs> Not that they can't, but they tell them don't do it. <laughs> because there's people that literally go up there to take pictures of the deer. Because they got a whole right. herd of them. Whole herd of albinos. I'm sure it would be the, well, if you shoot one of these, you're not going to get ass backed up here next Yeah, week. <laughs> you will no longer be. Oh, Jim wants his kid to come back up here. Rip. Yeah. Sorry, Jim. Uh, a key to our research is being able to monitor the same year after year. Um, we recognize that these colors are hard to see, so we marked all of the research, bear, research bears with large, color, colorful ear tags. So then when you take your pictures, all your buddies go, oh, it was in a high fence area. Yeah. Then I reach out to hunters to stress that even if they don't, didn't see a collar, but but did still see the large tags on their ears or whatever, um, that they were collared. Most of the collars have GPS. Uh, da, 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 da. Several hunters sent us trail cam photos of tagged bears that they passed up shooting, even sometimes when it was the only bear visiting their bait. It is commendable and a real testament to hunters' appreciation for the research and their understanding of the importance in bear management. I get it. I tell you what. This thing I'm shooting. After, that one there's a giant. I cut my teeth bear hunting. Yeah. 12 years old. Uncle's the bear whisperer. You know, he'd bait from here to kingdom come. You know, I'd go up there and help him bait. We'd, you know, wake up and go load up. You know, the truck with all kinds of bread from uh, McDonald's and this place and that place, you know, and <laughs> drive up to Cloquet. I'd get dropped off and get to go bait all week. And uh, after all the work that I put into it, and then you're getting, it's hot, you're getting bit by mosquitoes. Mm-hmm. These bears are smart. You can't hear them. No, they no. sneak up on you. It's ya. amazing a two, three hundred pound bear. They scare and the they crap out of you when they're there. And then they'll follow you out of the woods. I've had them do that too. You know, could you imagine being twelve? You know, and I'm and I thought I was gonna um, shoot them with a bow at like fifteen or something. And Dude, then in after, my thirties, I get creeped out by a nose. Uh-uh. Like. <laughs> no, let me tell you, if if one of those came up after putting in all that work, getting eaten alive by mosquitoes, yep. Knowing how how like how much work and stress that hunt, you know, is. Yep. It's going down. I, I, I like it. Yeah. My guess is, is the ones that the, the, probably the guy that, that was the only one he saw probably has shot bears. Right. Or shot bear. Is it bear or bears? Is, is it like deer and deer? Or is it bear and bears? I shot 30 bear. I shot 30 bears. 
I sh- bear. It's bear. Yeah, I was going to say bears. It sounds ridiculous. Um, my guess is the, the people that passed on them yeah. probably have already taken bear in the past. Right. And they're like, okay, cool, whatever. Um, yeah, I mean. I haven't allowed myself I find to- it. I find it. You know, definitely commendable if somebody would pass on a bear, especially if it's a big one. Oh, for sure. Yeah. I've never been bear hunting. I was supposed to go this year. Um, <clears throat> but Ed Turner had to have both his shoulders redone. He's going to be guiding for me. He's the one that do, does all the work for me. Um, he had to have both of his uh, shoulders redone this year. So, yeah. And it was the year I was going to get drawn to. Dang it. Dang it, Ed. How dare you have bad shoulders? I wouldn't. I'm kidding, Ed. If I would you- highly recommend it. But just like, I think most of this, me talking or whatever, and like talking on the previous podcast about how crazy I get with, with, uh, fishing and everything else. When I do something, I have to do it 10,000%. I'm not going to dip one toe in the water and say I did it or nothing. I got to put every app because you know i know i can be successful well, the at, more work you put into anything right, the, at anything yeah, exactly i, I yep. can be as yep. successful as anybody yep. if i do all of that so yeah well I'm, I'm gonna be bear hunting next year so, do it and yeah. dive in head well, first i've been and, applying this was my fifth year applying and i finally was gonna go bear hunting don't do it opening he, weekend though. and then he had to do both of his shoulders well if it all depend all on what, what ed says it's gonna i got thermocells i got nets i got I'll I and I'll I'll be fine with the with the bugs. I've been putting up tree stands and whatnot with mosquitoes oh. everywhere. But Ed his his um success rate is re- basically what he told me is like if you don't shoot a bear it's cuz you chose not to. Like he he doesn't take out a lot of people. Yeah. You know, he doesn't he's selective and he does a great job right. baiting. He's in a great area. Yep. Where at? I'm not telling. Well, like rough part of the <laughs> um, state. I mean, come I'm on. I'm not no. telling. Uh, no, he's up. Uh, I'll, I th- in America. Me- yeah. yeah. Uh, on the earth, which is flat. In, in the in the woods. And they got unicorns guarding the border of the earth with, with long distance something. <laughs> God. <laughs> All right, thanks for listening to the podcast today. We're then done. We're going Tyrannosaurus uh, Rex hunting. Yeah, no, it's up like Bemidji or something like that, up okay. there somewhere. Yeah, it's up north of. Uh, it's like an hour from my my in laws' cabin. Okay, north. Yep, from yeah up there. Um, so yeah, he's got a real good area, and he does a great job, and really, really high, high, high success rates. So, That's awesome. Yeah, and I've known him for a while, shooting archery tournaments and whatnot, and through friends of friends, and. So yeah, so next year, Ed, we're gonna lay down a bear, and my goal is to shoot a bear, and hopefully, it's a decent one. I don't care if it's giant; I just don't want the only bear to walk by me to be smaller than you. Because <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna be like, oh man. Yeah. Well, if but if there's be... little ones creeping around, oh, mama's you, you know, mom somewhere. somewhere. Yeah. Now what? Now. I don't know much about bear bear hunting, and I'm sure Ed's going to tell me, you know, don't shoot this or shoot that or go ahead either way. Right. Do you shoot the 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 moms, the big old girls, or not? I don't um, know. I don't know the ethics of bear hunting. Yeah, yeah, you do. You do. Okay. Yeah, I mean, and I, it all depends on how small their their cubs are or whatever. But I mean, I've I've heard a bunch of different stories too about, you know, people once they do shoot the mom. Yeah. Trust me, you're not left alone. And even if it's a hundred pound bear or, oh, or whatever, you know, mess you up. Yeah, you don't to. you don't yeah. want to mess yeah. with them. But um, I know I've probably never told you this, and this is a little bit offshoot. But uh, 
I actually uh, walked into a bear sanctuary while they were feeding. Wait, did you tell me this? I don't know. Maybe. But but that was scary. Well, you didn't tell the tell the audience. Oh, okay. So, yeah. Vince yeah. Shooty's up in Orr, Minnesota. I, I suggest you go there. But um, now is that the is that the like bear guy that is like kind of in trouble type of deal? No, or? no, he's not in trouble. He was like okay. a kind of a. He was Vince Shooty. He fed bears, and it all started out like way back. I, I don't know, a long time ago, back when my dad was a kid up by Orr, Minnesota. And uh, well, anyways, he'd feed these bears. The bears would get big, and you know people would come in. And they'd literally just drive in. Um, oh, you did tell me this. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well. So they drive in, and you know you'd feed them or whatever, and there'd be bears running all over, and they'd come up and you know eat stuff out of the window of your car, and then they'd climb all over your car. There's a bunch of videos you can check them out, you know, all over YouTube. Or if you're up there, just know that um, things have changed nowadays. Vince Shooty isn't around, and you know they've created some organization, and it's like a professional operation and it changed over the past probably 20 years well my dad hasn't been there in 20 years so they used to drive in and he figured well we just have to walk in now um but anyways you you pay a little money and it all gets donated back to the food and whatnot and upkeep of the property you know they have tons of tons of tons of acres up there and uh and these are all wild bears they're not like you know the bears come because they know they're gonna get fed and uh um well anyways you pay your money, you hop on a bus, you get carted in a couple of miles to the woods, and you are on like a suspended deck where they have like mock old vehicles that the bears <laughs> used to tear up. This just and like so bad. like mock old like pails with oh full of God. food and they feed them and you know, a little lady in a um safari like Jane suit, you know, fresh out of the Cabello's catalog. <laughs> and uh <laughs> So this is this is what you're supposed to do. Hop on the bus. You know, the little uh, safari guides bring you up on this big suspended deck and they have loudspeakers and you take your pictures and you watch these monster bears. And I remember the one was Norma Jean or something. And it was like 690 something pounds, you know, and they had pictures, you know, shooting her. Oh, yeah. But good luck getting close to this place and uh, and competing with the food source that they got going. Right. Um, But anyways, yeah. So you're supposed to do that, you know. Be on this big deck way up in the trees, you know, 20 feet in the air. Take your pictures or whatever and hop on the bus and get out of there. Woo, nice little safari trip in the middle of northern Minnesota, right? Oh, Jesus. Well, once again. It's like Disney, but they can kill you. <laughs> yeah, we pretty much. <laughs> we didn't know any of this going into it. And my dad's thinking, well, there's a parking lot here, so we must just have to walk in. Because 25 oh, years God. removed... Um, they used to drive up and they used to get real close and friendly with the bears. They used to, my, I, my dad's got a video of him licking my mom through the window of the car and you know, the whole nine yards. Seriously? I mean, oh yeah. You still have that? Uh, most likely you can ask, it's probably oh, I'm gonna ask v, V8, what is that? VHS? Like tape? The old VHS tape recorders? Yeah. yeah. Or, you know, that you play in a VCR. But oh, anyways, geez. um, way before podcast days. Yeah, I don't. <laughs> um, and, uh. So we're walking in, and I'm running up, you know, and my dad's like, I just run around the corner. You know, I'd run around the corner. I'd be like, no, it's not. There's no bears here yet. We're not at the place where we're allegedly supposed to be, not even knowing what we're coming up to in this day of age. And finally, we're about to turn around, and uh, we get up to, like, the last corner, and I go running up, and uh, I'm hauling. And next thing you know, I'm standing in the middle of the sanctuary or whatever, 
<laughs> right at the entrance, and there's bears all over. And uh, <laughs> hey, look, dinner dinner showed up early. <laughs> pretty much. And my dad and a couple other people are about. 25 30 yards behind me when they hit the corner and i'm just like oh you know standing there and this lady's got a loudspeaker and her little safari hat and she's yelling don't move and this bear is standing there staring at me and i'm thinking i'm like oh my gosh like i don't know if this is going to compare to a hockey fight or a bit of a couple of scuffles but i don't think i can take a bear you know and i don't think these guys are going to back me up behind me and then so i'm just like and she's like stay Home. And then she gets on her walkie-talkie, and she's over there. Oh my god! You know we got a code brown. Blah blah blah. You know, get him. A code what brown. It, yeah, whatever it <laughs> yeah, is. Yeah, a code brown. Cal just <laughs> yeah. pooped his pants. Yeah, <laughs> we need a diaper asap. <laughs> and I'm, you know, I'm holding holding my own just because I bear hunted. And I know like not to freak out or, you know. And they say kind of get big, you know. Yep. So I'm like, yep. make yourself you know, look bigger, looking yeah. big, you know, but I'm not doing nothing. And next thing you know, like I kind of flared my arms up a little bit, you know, just to attempt to look a little bigger as like a. <laughs> oh, and he's doing this, by the way. Yeah, right he's, now. I'm, I'm, I'm watching this. Yeah, he's got his arms to the side. And, and, <laughs> yeah. And back then I was probably about maybe like 150 pounds, you know, so I w- was looking all of like 105 pounds to this bear and uh, it stands up on its hind legs. And I'm like, oh, like. Like, yeah, I, I dropped it right there almost. And uh, <laughs> um, next thing you know, it gives me a little bluff charge. And I am oh, no. freaking out in my head, you know. So I'm like slowly. Stay calm. Yeah, slowly Stay walking backwards. Code brown. And I'm telling you, these people had the best show ever. They're up there taking pictures like, oh, I didn't expect this. You know, they're, they're going to sacrifice this dude. You know, like, <laughs> we paid for this. This is awesome. You know, this is way better than anything you get on TV. And I'm slowly walking backwards as this bluff charges me and uh next thing you know like <laughs> about around the corner this dude comes hauling butt in and he's in this big bus and he's honking the horn right just honking the horn and you know the bear kind of back pedals and i jump in there just as, as quick as you ever seen anybody get into a vehicle oh, God. and uh yeah long story short it wasn't uh it wasn't yeah the greatest experience for us, but I guarantee you. And if anybody is listening to this podcast and has pictures of about a 16 year old kid, 17 year old kid, maybe that was there that day in the pit as they were yelling cold Brown and stay calm over oh the speaker, God, please, please email them. Yes, or something. please <laughs> send them to the podcast, either on the, on the Facebook page, message them, uh, S D O podcast at gmail.com. Uh, send them to Kyle himself. Send just, if you send them to Kyle, send them to me too. Cause we're putting them up. Um, I want to see what Code Brown looks like. Yeah, that was <laughs> that was great. I'll never forget that. Needless oh. to say, we were banned from Vin Shooties for a little while. I would, I would hope so. I guess. Yeah, but oh my god, that's funny. Uh, check it out. Just take the bus. <laughs> Just take the bus, please. Uh, yeah, we don't. Uh, yeah. Oh, I don't have any sort of story like that. I can't. Nope, not even going to touch it. Oh, I'm sure you got a bunch. Nothing like that. No, I never went into a bear cage. Well, yeah, it wasn't a cage. I had my picture taken with the MGM lion in Reno, Nevada once, but there was, you know, a big giant three-inch thick glass window in between us, I think. Or no, wait, was there? I don't know. But it was tame, you know. Probably had steaks beforehand. Tell that to, who was it, Siegfried and Roy? Yeah, but they, I don't, that was the the white tiger. I can't remember what happened there. 
Um, yeah, I don't know what happened there. Uh, let's see. I want to... Let me pull these up here. I asked about... Asked on the Facebook page for some questions. Of course, everybody answer, an, answers it on my personal page and not on the Facebook page for the podcast. Yeah, I see So that. if you guys are out there and we ask these questions, go to the the, the Outdoor Podcast, SmackDown Outdoors podcast page. Ask them there. Um, and share share off of that. Yeah, share off of that. You know, Give the page a like, all that good stuff. Let's see. How do you think the Wes Wickham? What up, Wes? He's out fishing today, too, and he caught a bunch of good fish, I think. Um, how do you think the weather will affect this weekend of deer hunting? Uh, don't know. And I don't know. Problem is that this is going to come out after that. So, uh, let's see. Is this your radio station, Doug? No, Heath. This is my podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Um, what is an ethical shot in your opinion? You already know where mine is. That's from Tom Bubba Petrowski. I'm actually going to be hunting with him and his family. Uh, an ethical shot. <laughs> I know where his is. Which would Right in the be... old brain pan. Oh. That's where his. That's my... Yeah. Um, for me, I love broadside, right, right behind the shoulder, double lung. I aim a little low. I aim towards the bottom, just in case they dip down. Or if they don't dip down, I hit the heart. But that's I. If I can wait till they turn broadside, which most of the time, deer will turn broadside at some point. Very rarely have I ever had a deer walk like straight towards me or at some really weird angle the whole way that I wasn't going to shoot that deer or on a deer I wasn't going to shoot anyway. So I like broadside, double lung. They're going to fall down. I agree. What about for yardage? Are we talking gun or bow? Gun. It doesn't really matter. Yeah. As long as you're... I mean, for me, the furthest I've ever shot a rifle is 100 yards. Okay. But with the charts you can get for the ammo... Yep. I mean, they. you can... I've done this. I've called Hornady, and I've told them, hey, I've sighted in my, my gun at this distance. Can you send me the chart for... All the distances, you know, from here to there and beyond, right, and right. you can get them all. So a rifle—that's the thing about rifle hunting. If you see it, you can kill it. Yep. Oh yeah. As long as you can. And I would if say, if you practice those distances, right. like me, I don't like shooting more than I, I'm. I have a bow hunter's mentality. Even when I'm rifle hunting, I try to get in places where it's close quarter combat. Yep. yep. Um, on a bow, it all depends on weather. Is it windy? Is it not? Yep. You know, it brings it way back down. Um, if I'm up in the tree, if I'm down in a blind, you know, I'm actually more comfortable shooting up in a in a in a tree than I am in a blind. Really? Well, you're just kind of confined. You feel like you're confined, and then you're hopefully your arrow is high enough and you don't hit the bottom of your window. There's a lot of variables right. to shooting out of a blind. I feel like I'm not saying I'd shoot, you know, sixty yards. Yep. Out of a tree stand, I think I'd be comfortable at forty. Yeah. Very comfortable yep, at 40, yep. without a doubt. Yep. 50, it'd have to be really good, rock-solid hold, perfect conditions, very little to no win, yep. broadside deer, I'm calm, you know, I'd shoot at 50. Yep. But it's going to have to be perfect conditions for right. it. Yep. And I like shooting, like, I mean, I've done, done a ton of archery, um, and I always like a little bit heavier broadheads just for the penetration. 
aspect, you know, and don't get me wrong, you have to shoot to adjust. So if your field tips are 100 grains or 85 grains, you can't just throw on a 125 grain, you know, broadhead and think you're going to be accurate. You got to, you know, well, no, that's and, well, what you have to do is you have to sight in before. Right. I mean, I, I, yep. I've, I can't say I officially worked at archery shops because I wasn't actually an employee and getting paid, but I worked at a couple archery shops. Yep. I was there a couple days a week, fixing bows, tuning bows, teaching people, blah, blah, blah. blah. I've yep. done a lot of shooting, shot in competitions. And the biggest thing is whatever you're shooting, if you have to spend another 30 bucks in broadheads, use those broadheads. Oh yeah, and exactly. sight in your bow with those broadheads, yep. wreck those broadheads in the target, whatever, wreck a target or get a broadhead target. Um, but make sure you're, you're shooting the same thing out of your bow that you're going to kill an animal with. 100%. The only thing, the only broadhead I will say that you do not have to sight in with that broadhead is a rage. Yeah, those are. <laughs> I those have are great. I have tested them. Every time I buy a new style of rage, I will test them just to make sure. But I have not had a single rage fly different than a field point. Yep. Well, and there's there was a couple other ones too. Like and that's what I shoot. I shoot a rage. I that's full disclosure. I have no affiliations with rage. Yep. Yep. And I I shot rages too. Um, the two blades. Those are those are awesome. The threes, whatever. But. Uh, Another couple, as far as fixed blades and a little cheaper ones that were were relatively good after testing them, you know, and mm-hmm. we we would wreck them. We had a fridge, you know, the one time, so we we shot them into the fridge just to see <laughs> what they yeah. would do. You know, yeah, I I've, mean, we wanted I've to see. That. I've done that with broadheads. How yeah, they yeah. would actually handle. Yep. With the mm-hmm. impact, you know, yep. and uh, the crimson talons, those things flew awesome. I actually, and I, I've had. Are they the ones that kind of have the curved blades? Yeah, and I they, have one stuck in a tree that I shot with a, a chipmunk with it, dude. I had those things one. blow holes. They do. They do some pretty good damage. Yeah, and as far as flying, good too. Um, and I, I personally haven't killed an animal with them, but we did shoot them into the you know fridge and whatnot, and they, they, they were nice, and they, they actually held up really durable and and flew super nice. Like they flew just like a. Few tip were those uh g5 montex montex are a good one they're those solid. those things i've seen you know people kill deer with them oh, and, yeah. and those you yeah. know they're not as expensive well, as some of the other ones so there's no plenty of options out there but get comfortable yep. it's a machine just like a rifle yeah like shoot to your comfort level but i would say an average shooter i mean it took me a while shooting with with you know my bow or whatever it took me a while just to feel comfortable at 40 yards at a target controllable conditions yeah you know but you know once you do it you know you shoot thousands and thousands and thousands of times it's it's literally just like shaking someone's hand or riding a bike you know so you just you know and get used to your equipment no matter what it is it doesn't need to be the newest fanciest thing but no and you know one thing i see when i was when i was you know in at the shops and talking to shooters the number one thing well there's a lot of there's a lot of things that bothered me but when it comes to practicing, probably the number one thing that practiced me wasn't the form, wasn't how many arrows they shot. It was the distances they practiced. Okay. Most people starting out only get a three-pin sight. Yep. You're limiting yourself and you're hurting yourself. Because typically your first one's 10, then 20, then 30. 30. So you're only shooting 30 yards. Okay. Get a five-pin five sight. Practice to 50. Because that 30 is going to feel like 10. The further away you go, I, I shoot out to 100. Yeah. And if I go from 100 yards to 50 yards, 
I'm slapping arrows. Oh yeah, it's amazing. So, yep. but so you many... work yourself up to that. Well, yeah, I, mean, I do. Starting I, out, no, yeah. Well, if I go to the, if I go and I know I'm gonna shoot 100 that day, I'm, you know, I'll start at 20, throw a couple, 30, and I'll work my way back that day. Yep. But I'll shoot a lot at 100, and that makes when you shoot at 100 compared to 30, your form at 100 has to be so much better. To get that arrow to fly perfectly at a hundred. Oh yeah. I mean, and I'm not even trying to hit bullseyes. I got just a you know. Yeah, you're hitting the pie plate. I can hit it literally in the pie plate. I mean, that's so we just hang out there at a hundred yards. Yep. Or you know the balloons at game fair. I did that once. Um, but the further you practice, when all of a sudden you're at, in your stand and that deer's at thirty, and you're practicing at 70, 80, 90, even fifty. Yep. If you know. Start out when you're practicing, start out 10, shoot some at 20, at 30. You know, when those groups are starting to get tighter and tighter and tighter, move back. Yep. And then move back and move back. And the the more, I don't even like shooting less than probably 30 to 40 now. Yeah. I don't even practice at 20. I'll throw one arrow to make sure my sight is on at 20 because yep. then I know everything's pretty much the same. Um, but that's the, the, the thing about people practicing. They don't practice further than they're going to shoot. And that's only going to help you because yep. all of a sudden you get that big buck in, in your face, you know, at 30 yards. You got jitters. You got shaking, everything else. You got the, the wind. wind be off. It's all muscle memory and yep. just making sure, you know, and if you know that you can hit it at 50. Oh, yeah. You know, you can get a group of a baseball at 50. That deer at 30 is dead. Right. Dead right. meat. So and practice then, further than you're going to kill an animal. I don't, you know, I'm not going to ever shoot an animal at 100 yards. Mm-hmm. Never. Yep. Never in my life am I going to shoot an animal at 100 yards. I do not plan on it. Right. I've heard elk maybe because it's different than TV. <laughs> you know, you might end up taking a 70-yard shot. But if I'm shooting at 100, practicing at 100, You'll I'm going to more I'm gonna be able to kill that thing at 70 yards. Yep. Especially when you're shooting at a trash can lid instead of a paper plate. Right. So buy a five-pin sight, practice to 50. If you're only going to shoot 30, if you're only going to shoot 20. I know I know guys that literally they will walk past deer at 25 yards. They will only shoot them at 20 yards. Thought that was completely weird, but they say, "Yeah, I don't have to track deer because I know they're going to die at twenty. Right? And he practices to fifty. Yep. You know, so that was my number one complaint about pre- people practicing. And yep. I would talk them through it. I go, "Look, you need to practice further than you're going to kill. Oh yeah. If you if you can slap arrows together at fifty, that doesn't mean you have to shoot an animal at fifty. You can right. still only kill them at 25, 30, 35. Yep. But you're going to be more accurate if you're practicing further. Yeah. Than you are. If you're just practicing at that distance. Right. You know. Well, and then if you're just getting into archery, too, another thing that I always seem to helping people out and whatnot, um, you know, a lot of these big guys and whatnot, you, for, first off, you're using completely different muscles. And oh, yeah. to be stable and everything else, yep. you know, it's, you're not, you don't need to be a big meathead. In order to do this, work and up, to work up to seventy pounds. Don't, don't just start, start out, at seventy pounds. You know, everyone's got this mentality <laughs> where it's, oh, I'm, I'm a strong, I'm a this, I'm a that. Yeah. Well, you want to be able to hold that bow for as as long as you can, stable and well, consistent. Well, how it is, you when, know, as far as picking your weight, what you do is you sit in a chair and you draw your bow. Yep. You know, and that's what your weight should be. Right. So if you're new to it and you start out, a guy should be able to draw 50 pounds. Yep. You know, Uncle Ted, everybody, only shoots 55 pounds and he kills tons of animals. You don't need 70 pounds. Right. You don't need to shoot it. I do. 
because I'm a speed freak. I like arrows going as fast as I can to the target, but I've shot tens of thousands of arrows, and my muscles, I can pull back 70 pounds without thinking about it. Right. But you should be able to, you sit down in a chair, you draw a bow back. If you can't draw it back, you're too much poundage. Yep. That's the that's the general rule. So well, dial her down, get a, get a lighter bow. And if you're just getting into archery, you don't have to go buy a fancy Matthews or a fancy Hoyt or a fancy Darton. Darton's what I shoot, so I threw it out there just for the heck of it. Yeah. Um, you know, you can start out with a beginner bow. Get a $300 bow. Yep. You can. $300 bow. Get used to shooting a bow, you know. And if you're going to hunt, bow hunt, don't start shooting a bow three months before you go hunt. Nope. It takes time, and like once again, it's it's all repetition, and then yep. with the poundage too. As you're practicing, the, something that's going to limit your ability is being that meathead and trying to pull that back. Because by the twentieth, by it might only be the fifth shot, but it you know it might be longer. Yeah. But if you can drive fifty arrows in as you're practicing and learning, and you're not sore, yep. you can pull up and hit the same points, yep. you know, your same release point, you can do everything the same and not be stressed, you know. I mean, you know what it is after a hard day of work, you're sore, this or that. If you're trying to be precise, you don't want to be sore. Mm-hmm. You know, you don't want to be fidgety. You're not gonna shoot the same way at your arrow form, fifty you're, as you, you you can't build good form if you're shaking and you're stressed and you're, out. Yeah, you're trying to use your yeah. muscles and, and yep. it's, you want it's some, not gonna work. You want some you know, you want some resistance from that bow. <clears throat> right. You just don't need to start out shooting seventy yards. And, and right. another thing too is you gotta think, you gotta be comfortable with your with your draw weight. We're in Minnesota or Wisconsin or North Dakota or wherever it gets cold because you have more clothes on when it's cold and your muscles don't like to work when it's cold so if you're shooting 70 pounds or even 60 pounds and you go outside and you're sitting there for two three four five all day sit and that deer shows up and you go to draw your bow back and you physically can't because your body is cold right or you you exert yourself you know it's you know so if it gets cold don't be afraid to dial that bow down you're gonna have to recite it in or maybe have a second bow I mean, it's a lighter poundage, cold weather bow, but I've known many people that go to draw it back when it's cold and they can't pull it back. Right. And then they miss the deer of a lifetime or a doe or whatever, you know, they, they can't shoot the deer because, yep. well, okay, deer walks away fine. Yep. Or they so, pull back a little too early and, oh, now I can't hold that back uh, because yeah, I was yeah. trying to be macho man while <laughs> yeah. I was sighting this thing right. in, you know. Yeah. I've never had a, you know, and that's one thing I do practice, I you know, at 70 pounds, I practice with all my clothes on to make sure that I can pull it back with all my clothes on my harness, you know, my, my tree stand harness. I've got everything on. I practice like I'm going to shoot, um, to make sure that I can pull back that 70 with all the different clothes, all the different layers. And then, you know, when I'm cold, I make sure I can pull it back. Right. Real world application. Yep. So it's practice, 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 practice. I've gotten to the point now where I don't shoot much at all. But if I do, I go and you know go in the backyard, shoot an arrow at twenty. Okay, my bow is my bow's on. Yep. If I know I'm going to go bow hunting, then I'll start shooting some more, build up those muscles some. I'll even just set up a target like up against this wall, and actually there's a <laughs> there's a broadhead or a field point in that door <laughs> on the inside because <laughs> it might have went through the target. Uh-oh. But then I'll just stand over by the stairs and I'll just wrap off. 20, 30 arrows a night. Oh yeah. You know, to make sure that I can, I'm building those muscles up and whatnot. But yeah, no, I'm going to start shooting more, 
next spring, get out there again, start shooting. I just haven't done much deer hunting lately, bow hunting. I kind of got to the point where I kind of got tired of it. I needed a break. Yeah. And then, so I've been doing a lot of waterfall hunting and that's taken, uh, taken its place for a couple of years. Yep. And I can't say that like I've been missing it. Right. I kind of am, but I'm not at the same time. Like I'm like, yeah, whatever. I'll get out and gun hunt and whatever. Oh yeah. You know. I go kind of in and out of things, too, just due to the wanting to put 100% into everything, you know. But Yeah. I well, always... that's, that's my problem. If I bow hunt, I'm not duck hunting. I'm not goose hunting. Right. I am bow hunting from September 15th or whatever it is until I tag out or the year's over. Right. So it's not, I'm going to go duck hunting this day, and then I'll go deer hunting that day. I'll just kind of go hunt do the this, morning kind of go do that. No, it's like I'm, I'm either I'm, I'm bow hunting. And I'll even bow hunt during gun season. I don't care. Yeah. And most of my setups for bow hunting, they're close range shots anyway. So I'm like, oh, I don't need a gun here. Right. You know? And I'm quieter if I shoot something. So then I just sit there and wait for all the guys to push deer my way with guns and whatnot. Because what do the deer do? They don't go out into the open. Ah, they go <laughs> deeper into the crap that nobody wants to be in except for us bow hunters. Yeah. So. Or, or, or rifle. I mean, I had to complete. You can, yeah. Yeah, I, I just had, don't. I had to retool uh, the way I thought rifle hunting worked. <laughs> I I started hunting up in uh, New York Mills uh, at like twelve or whatever, you know, for a couple of years, and uh, up there, it was completely different from where I hunt now. Now I hunt an ore, which is, I mean, literally, unless there's a logging road or we got a couple properties, you know, pieces of property by a gravel pit, and you can. Um, you know, eke out a couple hundred yard shot, but there's literally only a handful of places in that region where you can do that. Yeah. And yeah. over in New York Mills, it was, oh, here's my stand across this field's 400 yards. You know, I could see deer coming everywhere up there. It's like where my current stands are, it's like 50 yards at yeah. most, yeah. you know. But, yep. So, yeah, ethical shot for me, broadside, right behind the shoulder. I if they're slightly co- I'd, quartering two shots, I don't ever want to take one. I've seen some quartering people... away shots. Oh, I'd love a quartering away shot. Yeah, because then you just aim for that back, that far leg. You're gonna get at least one lung, maybe even the heart if it's a good angle down. Oh yeah, yeah. But and I've me... seen some people do different things, obviously oh, yeah. due to confidence and how comfortable you are and whatnot, and um, like. I feel like I'm a pretty good shot shooting at a target. I mean, I know I can drill nails with my rifle. Can you but do, can you do that when there's a 150 inch buck in front of you? I I cold? limit I limit myself. <laughs> and you have guys like my dad or my uncle on the other hand. I uh, I swear he can shoot deer like someone would shoot ducks with a 12 gauge. Oh uh, yeah. I am he is dead nuts just He's got glasses. He don't look like he can see very good, whatnot. You, he is the deer whisperer. He doesn't <laughs> crinkle a leaf. If if I even walk behind him the whole time, he's just ready to whack me over the head with Shut his, up. you know. Shut and I'm up. trying to walk quiet, but yeah, I I watched him, you know, through the pines. I can't even see this deer, you know, way way away. We're just walking, you know, back to the cabin or whatever. He goes, "You want to take it?" I'm like, "Take what?" <laughs> so I put my scope up, you know, and I'm like. Like, I can kind of see it, and it's running through the pines. You can just see ahead. And he's like, you got it? And I'm like, 
thinking in my head, like, what are you talking about, yeah. dude? There's no shot. But before the words even left his mouth, there was a deer rolled like a hundred yards yeah. in the pines. <laughs> Some people, and yeah, it just, it just comes shoot, down, man. you know, obviously you shoot, you know, this much and that. Oh, and, yeah. And experience is everything. But, you know, I, I never want, like, I had one deer get away from me and uh, tracked it and tracked it. And that just broke my heart. And I, I know I can shoot good. But there's so many uncontrollable factors yeah. when you're in the field. You I never just, know. Oh, yeah. I mean, deer are tough. Deer are tough. Oh, yeah. They don't want to die. No. I mean, I've seen double lung shot deer, and they don't find them. Yeah. They lose blood trails, and they don't find them. It's, it's amazing. So, yeah, for me, I'm one of these guys. I must have, like, I don't know how I keep passing vision tests. Because I'll be hunting, <laughs> I'll be duck hunting, goose hunting, deer hunting, or whatever hunting, or just out somewhere, and somebody's like, oh, you see that over there? I'm like, what are we looking at? <laughs> and they're like, over there. And I'm like, where? <laughs> and by the time I see it, it's like, oh, I could have shot that. <laughs> it's just, I don't know. I uh, I don't know. After spending a lot of time doing, like, you know, waterfall and whatnot, like, if you, sp- I notice, like, and it's so awesome, I'm like, I I might be way far out and I might be like kooky and everyone might think I'm crazy, which I'm cool with that too. But when I am in nature, like no matter what it is, especially hunting though, like my senses are so heightened. Like I can see, see things a lot better and I can hear like when you're at one with nature and you're just out in the woods or in the swamp, whatever it may be. And, and everything just, it's like HD, like everything just comes to life and you some, can pick out yeah, little things, you know. Some people are like that, yeah. Oh, it's it's nuts. I love it. When it's, you know, me and Waterfall, it's like, all right, it's within, you know, 400 yards. All right, I can see it now. <laughs> Otherwise, I I bring binoculars with, you know. We'll be out in the field and we'll have our layup blinds and everything, and there I'll be with binoculars looking. Like, okay, don't see anything. And they'll be like, they're coming in. Doug's got a Where? scope. Where are they coming in from? Over the, the barn. <laughs> I'm looking over the barn and I've got binoculars. Where are they? <laughs> Get in your blind. Here they come. I'm like, where? Oh, shit, they're right above us. How did I miss them? Yeah, they see you. Yeah. I'm like, How did I? Uh, anyway. Uh, let's see. Danny Burkholder. Oh, Danny, stay off my numbers. If I hunt Dougie's stand, does it produce deer like his numbers produce fish? <laughs> I actually responded to this one. I was like, yep, hashtag skunk life. Um, let's see. Jared. Jared Sipniski. Um, I know Jared. What are your thoughts on moving the Minnesota gun season back several weeks to try to better age class, to try to better the age class of bucks in Minnesota? And I replied, like moving it out of the rut. And he said, exactly. Mimic states like states like Illinois and Iowa. Um, honestly, I, I not that I'm against it. I just don't think it would work in Minnesota because our deer season is before Thanksgiving. So if you move it two weeks back, you got Thanksgiving in the middle. Everybody's used to it. You know, already being how it's set, you'd probably lose hunters. I know it would probably help the population of deer, but I don't know if it would help the number of hunters we have. And that's kind of the catch-22. I mean, would this just be 
Because you're moving it out of the rut, so you're giving those bucks time to breed, right? And actually pass along their seed. Yep. So we do have more, you know, impregnated does, which will pass on the traits, and the deer will be fine. And yep, da da da. Yep. And would this just be in order to get more trophy deer? Yeah. Well, it helps. Well, he said like Illinois and Iowa. Yep. Well, where do you think of deer? Illinois, Iowa. Well, parts of Wisconsin, there, and there is some areas southern so, Minnesota on the border and whatnot, and different different locations that do hold numbers of monster deer but yeah. i feel like you know just like fishing goes like per lakes there's no yeah. one size fits all for especially no. for how diverse our state is you yeah. know and i mean i get the I, I get what he's saying and like i said i think it would probably help you know uh, you know having a better class of bucks yeah because yeah. he 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 I and mean, he'll shoot does too but you know right. he, he's taking some really nice bucks in some different places so he's you know concerned about the bucks which we all want to see good good bucks i don't know if that would like i said if it would be good for the number of hunters in minnesota i think there'd be people that wouldn't hunt yeah no i agree with that too so and i i do think it would help the bucks but as far as overall numbers of hunters and what's best for hunting i don't think it would help i think there's other things we can do like antler point restrictions um no party hunting for buck tags yeah does i don't care there's plenty of does in my opinion um but buck tags you should shoot your own buck you know even if we wanted to go earn a buck Please send hate mail to Smackdown Outdoors Podcast at <laughs> don'tcare.com. Um, I think there's other things we can do to help out the the buck population and get bigger deer in Minnesota. The problem with Minnesota is that it's a very I see it as more and I don't want to piss off everybody, but Minnesotans as a whole aren't as concerned about getting a trophy buck as they are shooting a deer. Yeah. And I I I you agree know. with that. And me personally, like once again, dad uncles, they're the purists. They they'll hunt every day of every mm-hmm. season if they could and blah blah blah. I'm I'm a meat hunter. You know, I I I go out there with the approach, you know, that I I care for everything. I appreciate the animal, you know, the whole nine yards. But I'll take anything. If it's brown, it's down. And the only reason why I really say that is because, you know, I'm not discriminating against a doe or a big buck or whatever. But I would like to shoot more big bucks. I just don't necessarily understand how... uh, you know, just Minnesota itself isn't a one size fits all yep. type state with our different I mean, you go you go from Grand Marais and you go down to Marshall and tell me it even looks like the same state. You know Oh it's not. It's completely different. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean I and, and I don't know that much about I guess every aspect of a deer, you know. Right. So I mean for me, when it comes to deer, I shoot does for meat. Mm-hmm. And if I'm gonna put it on the wall, I'll shoot a buck. So I don't know if you did you see that deer I got yep, you've yep. seen my deer I won't shoot anything smaller than that yeah no and that's what so I, what I try to this do year, or shoot for this year I just pulled this out of the drawer this is my stack of burnt tags oh, I started yeah. keeping them and I got Wisconsin I got Kentucky I got Minnesota so I'm not worried about burning a tag when it comes, comes I do to it bucks. I do it too it's you know so I pass on a lot of deer you know people oh you didn't shoot a deer this year nope. I didn't see a big enough doe. 
and I didn't see a big enough buck. I saw deer every day, or most days. You know, I saw a lot of bucks, but I didn't see anything worth shooting. Because I want to, and, you know, the whole, if I don't shoot it, my neighbor will argument, it's his tag. If he wants to fill that tag with that fork, he can do that legally. Right. Now, what you can do is you can talk to him. And this is going to take some time, but you can talk to him and go, look, you know, what are your thoughts on trying to get some bigger deer in this area? You know, we can maybe get everybody in the, you know, in the little area here to practice some, you know, quality deer management. And right. then it grows and it grows and it grows. But everybody goes, well, if I don't shoot him, my neighbor will. Yep. And nobody oh. wants to actually talk to each other and go, hey, you know, even if you go over there and go, hey, do you care about the deer size, the bucks? Or, you know, would you like to try to maybe do something where we can get some bigger bucks? Or do you just not care? And if he goes, I don't care, I just shoot it because I want to put meat in my freezer. Okay, at least you started the conversation. Oh, yeah. You know, and, you know, once a year or whatever, go, hey, you still just hunting for meat? Or you want to see if we can get some bigger deer? You know? But. And depending on the area, too, you know, like. Well, there's some the, areas that there are just not as many big deer as there are. Right. Otherwise. Well, and then, like, going up to Orr, for instance, um. You know, we used to specifically practice, you know, it's got to be this size or, or whatever. We tried mm-hmm. to, you know, manage the herd a little bit in a pretty big area around New York Mills and stuff. And then you get up to, and I mean, I was a little younger, so I mean, I would get a little itchy with the trigger finger. Kids, when I don't I, care. When I got up to Orr, right? Yeah. Because kids, See, kids, I don't care if they, if, like, if a kid is like 13 or under, you can shoot whatever the fuck you want. Oh, yeah. I don't care. You're a kid. Right. I, I'm not going to tell a kid not to shoot a, a little spiker because I want bigger deer. I want that kid to continue deer hunting. Yep. Yep. You know, so if anything walks by, he can shoot a button buck. Whatever. Go ahead. You know, especially the first one, lay her down. Right. You know, and then maybe after that first one, you kind of explain to him, hey, okay, now you've shot this buck. Maybe wait for a bigger one next time. Yeah. You know. And we've seen plenty of big deer up there. Yeah. But... It's just, uh, it's different when you're trying to talk to your neighbors about stuff like that up there and they see yeah, one no, deer it, yeah. or it's, or it's bucks only. Yeah. Well, you know? buck only. Yeah. I mean, and they're, you know, they want to uphold the tradition and you can't get a doe. So you're gonna, you know. Yep. I have a friend that, and he's going to know who I'm talking about, but he, his father <laughs> this last year was literally complaining that he doesn't see any big deer. Okay. Oh, we don't see any big deer. Da, 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 da. He turns around and shoots a little forkish type buck. And my buddy's like, why did you shoot it? Well, that's all I saw. <laughs> that's because that's all you shoot. You know, you shoot the first deer you see. You don't wait. You don't put any time into it. You don't, you know. Um, and it's funny because it's the same property. My buddy's wife actually shot a really nice deer. About the same size as mine. Maybe I think it's a little bigger. Um but yeah, he, it's so it's that whole mentality of, well, if I shoot it, you know, if I if I don't, you know, I'll shoot this one because that's all I see. Right. Or I'm not going to see another one. Yeah, I'm not so going to see another one. Take, yeah. Well, you know, you're only you're shooting all this, all the bucks before the you know the average uh, deer that gets shot is a year and a half old. Yeah. You know. So yeah, a year and a half old buck, unless it's a freak genetics, 
or you're in a really good area, <laughs> you're not going to have a 130 deer at a year and a half old. You're just not. You're no. going to have a 64-inch fork or six-pointer. You know, you're not going to get a big, giant, one-and-a-half-year-old deer. Right. So you got to let them go if you want big deer. So if you want to fill your tag with whatever, that's your tag. I don't care. You know, all I can say is don't complain to me. If you shoot a small buck, because it's all you see, <laughs> yeah, I get it's it. all you shoot. So, you know. And I'm trying to play a little devil's advocate here. No. I, I know well, a lot like of I people said, have so many different, kn- you know. Well, there's there's a mentality, and I've been told this. It's my tag. I can fill it. I should be able to fill it. It's 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 almost owed to them. Right. Like, if they buy a tag, they, are, they should be guaranteed to kill a deer. I get it. But then you can't say, why am I not shooting big bucks? Exactly. If you're going to do that, Mm -hmm. be okay with that. Yeah. 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 Just don't ever come to me going, well, all I ever see is small deer. That's because you're shooting them before they can get to be big deer. You know? Plain and simple. That's that's what it is. Oh, yeah. So don't complain about it. I mean, I don't even like shooting young does. They taste delicious. Yeah. But I'd rather, much rather shoot a big old nanny like I did in Wisconsin. I did, it's the only deer I ever shot in Wisconsin, just a big old nanny. And uh, she tasted fine. I think my second, well, maybe it was my fourth deer. I thought it was the biggest doe in the world, right? Button buck. No, it was it was a huge deer. And I was so pumped. I think I was, I don't know, 14 or something. And at this point, I was literally dropping herds, mm. you know? We had a Shoot lot of tags, all. and they said, yeah. Yeah, well, five tags apiece. You got seven guys at deer camp, 35 deer. <laughs> there's only 12 per acre, per uh, per quarter mile. And well, that's how we ended up with the low deer populations. Well, let's put Good it this Good job, way. DNR. Good job. <laughs> when, when I'm told, yeah, shoot what you see, and they didn't think I was going to see anything. First year, it was three deer, one morning. And then the second... Yeah, second year, so whatever. The fourth year that I shot, I thought it was the biggest doe in the world. I'm like, oh, I'm going to shoot some bigger ones this year, right? And uh, it comes wandering in, another one. I'm like, oh, there's two monster does. Shoot the one. The other one's just, it kind of jumped and was kind of looking around, and I thought that was funny. I'd never really seen that. Yeah. So I shoot that too. And, uh, <laughs> well, anyways, they're both dropped right there. You know, I'm excited. I'm I'm thinking I shot the biggest doe in the world. No, I shot like the oldest buck in the world that couldn't even grow horns, was blind. Oh, and, really? Was b- literally blind in both eyes. You shot Grandpa <laughs> William. Yeah, he had no nutsack pretty much. He was oh, just so Jesus. old. And uh Well, you shot a good mature deer though. Yeah. See, that's the thing. You shot a mature deer. Yeah. Oh yeah. You know, you shot a, probably a 10-year-old deer. But either which way, is fine. I was I was happier than hell thinking yeah. I got big mama and well, no, it's just the one that can't even see you in the tree stand, you know. <laughs> yeah. You see, I've been seeing. That's the thing is that it's it's hard. It is it's hard to do this, but I've been trying to do this more and and age them on the hoof. Really learn what a a one year old, a two year old, a three year old, a five year old deer looks like, typically in their body size and body shape. Yep, stature. So if I'm looking at a deer from a hundred yards away, and it's got a decent rack, I can go okay. You know, it looks like a two and a half year old deer, or it's a young deer, or whatever. That way, I can go. Okay, well, you know, it's a three year old deer, decent rack, probably can pass it. You know, pass on those genetics, get another year under its belt. Maybe I'll see him next year. Maybe I won't. Right. You know. No, I haven't done that a lot, just because I don't see a lot of big shooter deer. 
but it's something to to definitely learn you know for people to learn if you do have a really good deer area where you got a lot of good oh yeah got a lot of bucks running around learn to you know age them and kind of start out going okay get a you know good picture of like a one and a half and a five-year-old deer those one and a half have them long skinny legs five-year-olds got a neck the size of a garbage can yep. especially during the rut their bellies hanging down they look like they got you know they're Broad like rhinoceros because they got stumpy legs just because everything's hanging down far uh so yeah that'll help too um i did have another question from tony talking about preferences what is where to go hold on uh, choke. He wanted me to, to ask me about choke tubes, preference on size for shot shell application. Uh, choke tubes completely depends on the gun and the ammo you're going to shoot. And preferred range. I mean, yeah, target. Yeah. I mean, yeah. it comes down to. Yeah. But if you're just shooting, you know, ducks or geese or whatever at 30 yards or whatever, you know. It's trying multiple choke tubes with multiple ammunition. Uh, if you have a shotgun, um, or even for turkeys, if you yep. have a shotgun, I did this with, with turkeys. My uh, buddy of mine, Shane Simpson, we had the same gun, shot the same ammo, and I asked him what choke tube he said. He said, I use the stock one. I'm like, okay, same one. So I just left it, right? and I've killed two birds with it. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it's when it comes to you know choke tubes, it's all about which gun, what shot you're using, you know, what ammo you're using, and then get out there and test it. Yeah. You know, get out there with the standard one, throw some different rounds, some different, you know, go buy a box of each kind of round um, ammo and shoot it. See which one pattern's the best, and then use that ammo. Oh, yeah. If it's $5 a box and it shoots better than the $20 a box, shoot the $5 a box. Well... And the biggest thing that I found... going to put more BBs where you need to put them and... Stick with it. You know, we've pattern tested, you know, Winchester makes the blind side. You got a bunch of different black clouds. You got Kent Fastiel. So many different shots are going to, you know, and the same thing with rifles too. So many different grains, so many different bullets. One rifle might like this brand of bullet and grain better than another one in the same grain. You know, it, it all comes down to a lot of things. My magic or whatever, you know, I would shoot... Out of uh, Super X3, I I normally like to do um, the Black Cloud, Pattern Master, Goose, you know, it's like extended full choke or whatever. Yep. And I would shoot that for my long range duck to my goose, you know, my my heavier shot. And I normally like that the heavy shot versus the fast steel in the Black Cloud just because, you know, I felt like it packed a little bit better punch. Um, but... When I was shooting that, like, let's say we had some teal come through or we had (laughs) had, you know, some birds actually like decoy. And once they would get within, like, I'd say 25 yards, I wouldn't dare take a shot because I would miss them. You're too close. Yeah. 25, 30 yards. No. So then, you know, with my specific recipe or whatever, um, I also would would carry the the black cloud uh, mid range and yeah that was a pattern master also um, yep. choke you know so that was a modified and that that was good for you know up to whatever fifty yards you know lighter birds smaller ducks decoying birds mm-hmm. and I I wouldn't poke out anything I would if they were committing <laughs> oh, I would yeah. ha- I would have to have that in yep no I've done that a few times this year where I'll have one choke in. And I'll take it out. I'll have a full in. For, typically, I shoot full for geese. Yep. I mean, 
because you've always got the ones that are flying away at 40 yards. Oh, yeah. And then I shoot them, and then they bounce all over the place, and my buddies yell at me, don't shoot them from that far. Shut up. Um, but, yeah, I'll go you know full for, for geese, unless we're getting them really close. I mean, if they're coming to the boot bags, yep. then I'll throw the mod in. Yep. Um, you know, Same thing with ducks. I've, I've changed it from full to, to mod because all of a sudden you know, we're thinking that they're going to be further out. Nope, they're landing at the mojo at 10 feet. Yep. So it's like throw the mod in, and next thing you know, we're just laying them down. Oh, yeah. Um, and, and it does get goofy, too, because, I mean, we've taken them out. And do this stuff in the summer. Do it when it's warm, when it's nice, when yep. you got a little mess around time. Yep. You know, take the piece of paper up in the woods, you know, on an area you actually are allowed to shoot. Don't do this in your neighbor's <laughs> backyard or anything. Unless your neighbor's but, got a bunch of property. Well, yeah, that too. And, and if so, let me know, because i got a bunch of shoot uh, guns i got to sight in and shoot. But we did, you know, like the same same recipe with the blind side, different chokes, this and that, and the other thing. And um, I I kept specifically with the black cloud, and then those chokes. And the only other thing that I found that was comparable with that setup and those two chokes was a Kent Fast Steel. So that's what I'd shoot. And then the way they patterned, you know, like the blind side specifically. My one buddy was all hopped up on it. We're like, well, what are you shooting? You know. Yep. And then we went out and pattern tested it or whatever. Well. That was really only decent close range, you know, due to what he had, you know. So then we messed around with some chokes and whatnot, and, and we got it to go okay with some different chokes too. But make sure you, you kind of stick the same. Not every, especially with the way all these people are designing their shot to fly differently and whatnot, yep. once it leaves the choke, you know, it stick with what works and make sure you pattern test it and you're okay with it and then messing with velocities too you can't just look over at jim bob and say oh i forgot my shells or whatever and here give me this and he his shells are shooting a thousand feet per second faster and you're well i can't hit a hit a bird and then you burnt through all of his shells and and you didn't get anything out of it you know the moral of that story is don't leave your shotgun your shot shells (laughs) at home shoot with what you're comfortable with i mean i just i started shooting i just bought black cloud i'm like you know, I got caught up in the hype. Oh, black cloud. Hey, you know, drop black rain. Yeah, I'll oh, yeah. show up with a case of black cloud. And it shot well, and I kill stuff. So that's just what I've shot. Yeah. And I'm not going to change until I can't find it anymore. Right. Because it, if it works, whatever, you know. Yeah. I have thought about, I thought, have you seen those new Boss shot shells? It's a Bithsmith, Bizsmith yeah, round. Yeah, it's I've like lead, those. but it's not. It's yeah, it's just, thing. it's fast. Yeah, it's hard. uh, I was going to try it until I saw the price. Yeah, well, tungsten. 20, oh yeah, 20 shells in this is like 30 bucks, 25, 30 bucks or something. Yeah. For this this boss. I'm like, God, it's expensive. Spendy. That's just like the tungsten. And then there was this. Heavy heavy metal or heavy. Well, there was this one brand too, which had the cork ball that absorbed. Cork ball? There was a little cork ball and it was tungsten. It was like a copper color shell. It was like all the rage. I think it, it might have been either from Kent or heavy metal or or, or something, but it was... Well, heavy ex- metal's got kind of that coppery type of yeah, shell. I'm trying to think. It was. It came out a couple of years ago, but anyways, we got one box of that, and it was expensive as all hell, yeah. and we pattern tested that and all that stuff, and... I mean, it was faster than anything on the market at the yeah. time, but you got half the amount of shells for about three times the price. It's not the hypersonic, is it? No, no. Okay. We've, we've done that, too, and that's that's actually some okay stuff, too. you got to make sure your barrel can handle it, though. That, and There's once again, a lot of your blown-up guns and chokes. you, yeah. you got to make sure. I won't sure. even try it. I, yeah. I don't need it. I don't need it. I don't, you know, I can lead my birds by six inches. 
Yeah. Depending on how far they are, of course. Well, and your lead changes and everything else yeah. changes. So just stick with something that's decent. I like, you know, I like the Black Cloud. Yep. And I like the Kent Fast Steel because it's cheap. Yeah. So I, I have some heavy metals because I we went to uh, Snow Goose hunting in South Dakota. And I'm like, I need cheap shells. I do not. I do not feel like throwing black cloud at twenty two bucks a box oh, yeah. at snow geese. So I bought a case of heavy metal, and it works. Oh yeah, heavy steel, and it works. I mean, I've been I've been shooting it still. Um, yeah, heavy you know, shot off and on. Heavy shot was the brand. Yeah, heavy um, shot and heavy metal is the tungsten, I think. Yeah, and that stuff you want to talk about expensive? That's the I'm pretty it's like sure forty that, that's bucks the, a box. Yeah, that's like the, the that's the stuff shells. I was talking about, and it has Jesus. a little cork ball. And I swear we should look it up. But oh, but God. either way, keep talking. Um, it was God. that brand specifically, and but get comfortable with what you shoot, know your target, and you can't always predict ducks and geese or waterfall specifically. But in the perfect world, they're going to be landing in your spread and you can literally stand up yell at them get them to fly up and then shoot them i mean that's that's perfect world or right yeah, there right there i gotta figure out which one that is yep. it looks like steel and and it's like little copper copper coated plug. yeah um, oh speedball that's oh, what is it that is a speedball speedball let's see here Pellet accelerator, 16, copper clad shot. Jesus, sixteen hundred and fifty feet yeah, per second, and that's heavy stuff. Damn, that's a BB, a three and a half inch BB, all the way down. Uh, sixteen hundred, sixteen fifty is all three and a half. Sixteen thirty five is all the threes. Yeah, and that's so at three and a half. Pellet accelerator, ounce and a half, copper and heavy shot. Yep. Look at this random BB right here. It's like all oblong. That's yeah. not a very good picture to put well, yeah, on your website. That's that's heavy shot. That's their deal. I think it's just all random sizes. Yeah, I think that was that was part of their little gimmick is the inconsistency because you know you can blast through the feathers and blast you know th- penetrate through things. You know? But then it's not a true BB or whatever. I mean, you know? look at the look at the blind side being square or whatever, and you know the black cloud having the little I little guess. rings around them and. They all got their own little gimmick. Let's see here. Yeah, I mean, I like the heavy steel. I've been pounding geese and ducks with it. It works good. The heavy, ooh, heavy snow. What is this? What is this? Heavy snow. Uh, It's steel. Higher speeds, 1550. What's a black cloud? 1550, 1650. Is it 1550 yeah. for Black Cloud? Well, because they have the fast steel or whatever, and they have the regular stuff, which is heavier. Well, I know they just came out with some new. Uh, yeah, it's. it's uh, God, what is it? What's it called? It's like some sort of. It's a faster load than normal. Yeah, that I think that's a sixteen fifty. I think that's a fast yeah. steel. I don't know, but but then you got to make sure your your gun can handle it. Right. So, who knows? But. But yeah. Yep. And then they got the heavy tungsten. Yeah, they got all kinds of, all kinds of stuff for yep. people to buy. Box case. Can you buy it on this site or no? No. Nope. Can't buy it here. Got to go somewhere else. Joe's. Cabela's. Yeah. I don't know. So yeah. So there's your answer, Tony, on choke tubes. If that was an answer, get out yeah. and practice. <laughs> well, just start with the gun you have and the choke you have. Go out, buy half a dozen different shells, Yep. you know, different kinds. And depending on if you're going to shoot BBs or you're going to shoot threes, make sure you're shooting, you know, right. six or seven of each one. Buy a box of each. Go out, shoot it, pattern it. Make sure 
you know, and see which one works. You know, grouse is a whole another ball of wax. Yeah, and you that's know, you know, pheasants. And it, yeah, I mean, you know, turkey, everything. Generally speaking, if you're I've never pull- actually, I've never actually done this with my waterfowl gun. Oh really? <laughs> oh, we just go out and I just go out and shoot stuff. <laughs> yeah, and that's that's another way to do it. <laughs> my too. turkey gun, we did. I did it. Though. But if I've you're hitting stuff, gun. whatever you're doing, you're, it's, it's working. It's working. So, yeah. You yeah. know, don't don't mix with the <clears throat> mathematical formula. That's you know, nope, giving you your answer. Works for me. Uh, let's see what else is in the news. Anything else in the news? Uh, I know they're this oh, is gonna, bass. What about it? Bass. What bass we? tournaments. Which bass tournaments? Do you see the shakeup with you know the the different uh, oh, the, formats and how yeah. the, how they pay you back now and then with the major league fishing stepping up and all how that you, stuff. How they pay you back? What do you mean by that? Yeah, like they're trying to make it more of like a professional organization, like like athletes. You know how NBA players, and NFL players oh, get know, paid. I, I heard... They're literally trying to pay out the whole field. Yeah, I heard and something about that. It's cheaper. Than it ever was before, and and Bass obviously stepped up with their elites due to the MLF, you know, coming up. Are they with actually awesome, going to do that where they oh, pay everybody? Well, or is it just talking? No, they, I think there was eighty boats in MLF, and I think every yep. eighty gets paid. Oh, really? I'm pretty sure. Oh. Um, I mean, you can look it up, and then I know the elites um, also like went way over and above what they ever have before. So the bass fishing world. Is literally on fire, and same with FLW. You know, for the three majors, mm-hmm. you know, um, they uh, they went crazy as far as uh, revamping the system this year, and the options for um, professional bass fishing is just ridiculous now. And being able to pick and choose where you want to go due to whether it's the format, the coverage, the payout. Um, I really haven't paid much attention to all that, <clears throat> just because. I mean, I, it doesn't matter what what it is. If I turn on the TV and there's bass fishing or any fishing, right, I'll watch right. it. I'm not going to get into professional bass fishing, <laughs> so I don't really care. No, but it's it's cool, and <laughs> hope, hopefully it trickles down. I liked. I did. I have no problem with the new major league fishing because it gives. 80 more people a chance to make it in the Elite Series. Yep, or FLW. Or, you know, those, yeah, FLW moves up to whatever. Yeah, it opens up more spots and more opportunities. I just haven't really got into all the stuff like you're talking about. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't even know where to, hmm, wouldn't even know where to find all that stuff. Yeah. I'll have to I'll have to find that for next time. See if I can find it. Yeah, that. maybe talk to I see you got see you. Civic on your list. I think he's a he's he gonna be don't a bass know guy. Nothing. I'm, I'm pretty... He doesn't even know how to catch a walleye. <laughs> well stay if, off my number, Civic. If he keeps up with that, he might have to get out on the bass world, you know. So Yeah, right. <laughs> Let's see, I'll write this down for next time. Uh, there we go. <clears throat> see yeah. if I can find that stuff. But no, it's just it's just cool to see um you know the sponsors throwing in more money in, in corporate sponsors and like growing well, pay, that world back um, to entry but, fees have gone up, yep. paydays have gone down, right? And that's where all, else, all where across else? the board. Yeah. But this year, and in, in the upper echelon of bass fishing, you know their their whole complaint was to, you know, like we're professionals and we literally, you know, most people don't even make it one or two years. Right. They, they'll go bankrupt and then that's it. They're done. Yep. Um. Do you do that in other professional sports? Uh, football. Football. Those guys are all bankrupt in three years. Well, yeah, that's because they spend all of their money, <laughs> not yeah. because not because they're spending it. 
to play that sport. Right, right, you know, right. That, oh, as that's far as entry fees, yeah. I honestly yeah. wasn't even paying attention. You stopped talking, and I'm like, what? I heard sport <laughs> football. I'm yeah. looking on the website here. <laughs> that's a whole different, yeah. different no, ball yeah, I mean, we, yeah. But... Well, I mean, even, you know, I mean, that was one of the reasons why I'm not going to be fishing the tournament series anymore, because it's a lot of damn money, even at our level. Right. It's a lot of money. Yeah. Well, and then once again, you get into the differences between the levels. I mean, the only difference Mm -hmm. between us and the next level up, which is the NWT, is it's not the time because 90% of the people are pre-fishing the week before doing the same thing with the cabins, teaming up, everything else. It's literally the money on the ticket. You yep. know, so yep. it's it's the money you're paying up front in order to sign up that and and obviously, the format's different and everything else. But in order to grow walleye fishing, I mean, the bass world gets bigger. You would think maybe a couple more players might dip into the walleye world and might yeah, make it it's a little good all around for, for and, any. Yeah, I mean, the better that any fishing does, is is good for all the fishing. Oh yeah, you know, it's just more exposure to the fishing world and getting people interested in just fishing and yep. watching. I mean, um, I was listening to, to Ike and Ellie today on one of his podcasts and he was talking about his fish, my city. Yeah. Oh yeah. And it's on Nat Geo. Yep. You know who watches Nat Geo? Everybody. No, 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 no. The majority of people that watch Nat Geo, do you know who they are? Old people. Women. Oh yeah. The number one show is Dr. Pole. Which is an awesome show. I love that show. The guy's awesome. I don't even know. It's like a seventy-five-year-old veterinarian. He deals with like cows and horses and stuff. But yeah, National Great. Geographic. Though who doesn't well, know that name? It's, it, yeah, it's, it's it's not the National Geographic channel. It's Net Geo. But most of the shows are or towards women. So he's actually um, kind of in a world. Not that he doesn't belong there, but he's in this new territory, opening up fishing to all these. Majority all these women yep. that might not go fishing, <clears throat> might not care about fishing, but if you've ever seen the show, I watched an episode or two of it. We all know Mike Iaconelli's a nutbag. Oh yeah, the guy's just insane. Yep, I love him to death. He's awesome. <laughs> he's great because he's a he's a character. He's different. Yes, yeah. he's a character. He's loud. He's brash. He catches a sunfish the size of you know. A pencil and he loses his mind the same <laughs> right. as he does if he catches a tarpon um so yeah he's it's it's but exposure yep and it's good because it's, it's branching out into a whole nother area where we weren't before yep and i say we because well we're fishermen and yep. and we all need to work together and do that so that there's cool so yeah it's wherever we can get fishing and hunting into new areas where people are going to see us and we can understand help them understand where we're coming from and understand what we're doing. Yep. Um, it's, it's better for everything too. And then like the next bite that's going to be on discovery channel. I heard about that. That's cool. That's, that's awesome. I mean, for people in the upper Midwest where we didn't have like the walleye fishermen, the musky fishermen, you know, the, even, even the, up until just a couple of years ago, there was no national bass tournaments in Minnesota. There nope. was none in the Midwest. It, nope. You might they might have popped up on St. Clair or Erie or something, but that was about the gist <clears> of it, <throat> you know. So to have, you know, our backyard, which is you know Wisconsin or the Midwest, mm-hmm. a TV show that was based out of here, you know, going back and forth from Montana to New York, fishing walleyes, muskies, smallmouth, whatever bites, beyond a you know a nationally broadcasted television station is awesome well and these guys are walleye guys right i mean they fish bass and they, everything they do else. everything they're awesome but to have a walleye show basically a walleye show 
I mean, what else Go is on there? Gas Monkey Garage. Yeah, you know, all these oh, yeah. crazy shows. How many more cars are we going to have? Yeah. So what I was doing <laughs> was putting in the axle. Then Bill came over, and those shows all well, suck. Well, next They're year, so... I guarantee you, they're going to be Gas Monkey and Gary Parsons' boat or something. Right. You know what I mean? Like, what the hell is this going to lead to? Well, they're on uh, the next bite is on CBS Sports. Or going to be? Are they on there already? Um, I think they were Destination America. Well, they're on. I didn't know they were on Destination America. Yeah. Discovery, World Fishing Network, and Sports Chicago Plus. That's cool. Yeah. Well, congratulations yeah. to those guys. That is, that is awesome. And Gary and Keith, uh, Corey Sprangle, um, Chase Parsons, Chase Parsons. Yeah, John who Hoyer's who always on all, there. Who else is all on that show? Um, yeah, they got they got tons of tons of guys. I mean, Do we tons of guys the... we fish against. Um, the guys who are actually in their stable is Court. Um, Corey is uh, Chase Parsons. Jason, isn't Jason? No, no, it's just Chase, Keith, and um, Gary. Gary, but they uh, they have was part of that they too. have Sprangle on all the time. They have oh, Warrior okay. on all the time. Okay. They got you know so it's tons, just the tons three of, of them names. With, with all their buddies. Yeah, yeah. Gotcha. Uh, the who's who in the walleye world, we go the down musky to, world. We go down to popular, I'm on their website, you go down to popular tags, Winter, Berkeley, Keith Kavayich, <laughs> Lake Jigging Trolling Articles. Poor Gary and Chase, they're not a popular tag. Aw. It's kind of like Everybody us. go tag them. I, <laughs> yeah. I don't know where, you, where these tags are coming from. Yeah, who knows. Uh-huh. They have, uh, they have a network that we have never never oh. been able to They've to been see. in the wild, and that's well, the thing. Well, and then their analytics. They've, they've like, been in the game. Yeah. I, I don't know how old Gary and Keith are, but I'm willing to bet they've been in the game almost longer than, well, like I said, I don't know how old they are, so I don't want to... Th- I was gonna uh, say longer than we've been alive, but I'm 37. I think maybe you. I th- yeah, they they are have they, they've been literally Gary's, fishing Gary walleyes professionally since I've been born at least. Because yeah. I know I've talked to both of them, and you know most of these guys too. You see them on TV, you see them on YouTube. If you ever see them in person, don't be afraid to talk. Dude, to them, walk up and they ask. will. They yep. will sit. They would rather sit there and talk to you for an hour than go about their day and yep. not speak <clears> about fishing. I've walked up to both to uh, Gary and Keith. I gotta get. I gotta ask Chase about this when I see him next time. I asked them that, both Gary and Keith about the same thing in two different locations. I asked Gary first, and then I asked Keith. <laughs> and it was funny because they're both telling me, you know, this is how they do it. Da 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 da. And the and they would throw jabs at each other, but they weren't in the same spot. <laughs> it was funny. Well, it's that's like, normal. Oh yeah, fishing. Gary. Gary doesn't know what he's talking about. That's why he doesn't catch any fish. Ah, Keith. Yeah, he drives bull like a maniac. But yeah, if you see him, stop him. Ask him a question. As long as they're not busy doing something else, of course you just you know you don't want to yeah. interrupt them. But if they're they if will they're answer taking any a pee in the bathroom, need. yeah, don't ask. Don't them put about. your hands in their pocket and, <laughs> and wait for them. Don't just back off. Don't ask him about flicker sheds in the bathroom. Yeah. <laughs> Don't ask the flicker minnow, you know? Yeah. What I mean? <laughs> hey, what color flicker minnow you got there? What? Oh, okay. All right, PG-13. Yeah. Anyway. Uh, yeah, no, I mean, anything that's good for, um, that brings more exposure to the outdoors is, is fantastic. I wish that the fishing, um, the, uh, um, the channel I was talking about, um, fishing network. What the hell is that? The the World Fishing Network. I wish I could get it, but I got to pay more. Yeah. The Comcast. Well, that's I'm like, not going to do it. Well, 
and nowadays, I mean, you look, you go down and look at all all that other stuff. I oh mean, yeah, you I can, mean, if I want to see any of their, their episodes, yeah, I can you can find you can somewhere. stream off of yeah. just about anything. That's like looking up, you know. That what one thing that I really miss, you know, because I like watching all the TV shows, you know, from the end up MWCs, you know, all their episodes, you know, whatnot. Like, mm-hmm. um, we really missed out. And there was TV shows, and I don't know if In Fisherman has them buried somewhere, but all the PWTs. I mean, they had little snippets, they had episodes, yep. and obviously the resolution and everything. You know, you might get a glimpse of one or here, two here or there on the internet, but you can't find them anywhere. Yep. And I don't know if it's just because the quality is so bad, you know, compared to nowadays standards, but just for the history and looking up stuff like that, I would I would love to see all the old stuff um, throughout the years of fishing. I know bass has some of it here and there, but it's not like it's really readily available. Have you ever seen the old uh, uh, Dean Capra videos on YouTube? No. Um, Capra's Outdoors. I was clicking through here one day, and next thing I know, I'm like, oh, look, Dean's on, on YouTube. Like, when in the world did this happen? Uh, oh, he's the one with Roland Martin. But there was one. Looks like they were all put up about seven years ago. There was one I saw in here. It was funny because like the the they were smashing fish, but uh, just seeing them way back in the day is hilarious. Seeing, seeing all <laughs> oh, these yeah. guys, you know, and it's like, God damn, he looks young. Oh well, that was twelve years ago. <laughs> yeah, me. It's like yeah, I was literally like just took the training wheels off my bike. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. I'm going to have to ask him why he doesn't post anything else to the Facebook page. It's been seven years ago. Dean, put something on your or on the YouTube page. Put something on the YouTube page, man. Get some more... Uh, Old school, get man. Get some more stuff on there. Old school. What's this social media? Yeah. What's, what's all this stuff? He's actually surprisingly busy on, on Facebook. He posts yeah. a lot of stuff from the shop and whatnot. I wonder if it's somebody else doing it, though. Uh, could I'll be. have to ask him next time. Oh, let's see. So we got deer hunting on Saturday, and then I'll be back to goose and duck hunting. Um, I'll probably be fishing, Doug. Believe it or not. I might have to join you on the river. Yeah. Let's see. What was I doing? One of these days when I put the big boat away, we'll definitely have to get down there. I've been itching to hit that night bite. And Yeah. Let's see. Deer hunting, deer hunting. Well, the next, the third, well, the 17th, 18th, I'll be at Cabela's. Hey, everybody, I'll be at Cabela's. Oh, actually, I, I would have already been at Cabela's by the time this comes out. Hey, he was at Cabela's. I was at he Cabela's was in at Prairie. Cabela's. So if anybody came out and seen me, thanks a lot. I appreciate it. Um, Let's see. I think that's kind of about it for the major stories. They're going to do uh, CWD testing in some different areas. So hopefully anybody in, well... Let's just run through the numbers, even though this will be a little bit afterwards. Although, if you're muzzleloader hunting and whatnot, you might still have to do this. 242, 247, 277, 219, 285, 
caged deer. They deer farms. They say it comes from nuclear testing facilities. Nope. I don't think anybody actually even knows. Right. I don't think anybody actually knows where but it for sure way, comes from. I I don't know. If you do know, let us know. That's why they're researching. Yep. They're gonna, <laughs> well, they're researching to make sure that they find it so then they can kill every deer within a four-county area. Right, if it happens to be And then they the can population. control it. Yeah. Yep. They remove the lymph nodes to check. Actually, that's the area. I think 219 is, or 277 right in there. That's where my buddy is hunting. I might do some hunting there next year. So... Yeah, that looks. That's well, probably an area where there's a lot of deer. Oh, there's so many deer. It's ridiculous. tons of deer. We'll be duck hunting. Oh, look at there's deer. Yeah. Oh, actually, it was uh, day before opening duck. As a matter of fact, we're standing there and across the pond. Oh, look, there goes three deer there. Nice little bucks. <laughs> yeah, nice little bucks just running through the cornfield. Uh huh. So yeah, CWD testing. I don't like. I said I don't know enough about it to even really put my two cents in there, other than. It sucks, and I hope it goes away. They found some EHD in deer. Yeah, I heard about that. It was six. From what I... Well, hold on. Let's just so we don't... Be factual. Yes, be factual. EHD, Minnesota. Which that was allegedly only in Michigan, correct? No, no. EHD is caused by the mites and stuff, and it hits a lot of dry states. Yeah, but but, the creeks dry out. Well, that, that's Michigan, where it was. Kansas. Yeah. Iowa. In the Midwest. Missouri, you know, that's where all the articles Texas, were coming out. Yeah. Um, yeah. Okay. So it was six captive deer. I thought so. All right. Known deer disease. EHD discovered in southeast Minnesota. The Minnesota Board of Animal Health has confirmed the first cases of epizootic hemorrhagic hemorrhagic disease. <laughs> what? Hemorrhagic. EHD, <laughs> for short, in Minnesota deer, six of seven animals in a small herd of captive white-tailed deer in Goodhue County in southeast Minnesota died of the disease earlier this month. The remaining buck appears healthy at this time and is showing no clinical signs associated with the disease. The This is the first detection in Minnesota, widespread in America. Blah, 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 blah. It was previously infected two Minnesota cattle. In Brown County in 2012 and Murray County in 2013. All right, this virus is transmitted between deer by biting midges or gnats, which are most accurate active in the fall before they are killed by the first frost. They uh, they can't travel very far on their own, and we're concerned by this detection because the herd owner hasn't moved deer onto the property for several years. Well, that's huh interesting. Hmm. Yeah, well, because they find what they what they find is that like a lot of drought years, and when the cricks and stuff dry up, that's where they find a lot of deer because the midges and gnats and stuff come out of the sand and whatnot yep. in those, and then they get on the deer, and then the deer gets sick, and then the deer. It's. Have you ever actually seen the videos of a deer with that, like in the final stages? Yeah, it's not good. It is. Sad. Uh, just say if you ever. We'll just. I'll just say don't watch it. If you haven't seen a video of it, don't because you don't need to. I'll just tell you it's very, 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 very sad to watch a deer. I, I saw one, then it was literally as the deer was dying. It basically died, fell over, and died in a creek. Yeah, it's no it way to go. horrifying. So that's not good. Hopefully they figure out what it was caused or like how that all went down, Right. I guess. 
Um, I think we're wet enough here in Minnesota, and this happened. What, what did they say? Southeast. Yeah. Yeah, southeast where it, it gets dry. Oh yeah, it gets dry. So you got a river. I think, <laughs> and that's the, about it. <laughs> I think yeah, I think the vast majority of Minnesota is wet enough where we don't have these creeks really drying up and having these problems too often. So. What is this? Fake websites. Sow confusion. Anger in Twin Cities suburb election. Nobody cares. There, that's as much politics as you're getting from me. We could uh, <laughs> chit-chat a little bit about the Fishing Careers Workshop. How'd that go? Did you go? I did. Yeah? It was uh, It was a good time. It was... Uh, All right, hold on. Let me see. What do we got here? What is it? It's 9 o'clock. I kind of got to go to bed. Yeah, me too. And it's we're almost two hours in. We'll make it. it quick. Real quick. Either quick or we can save it for another time. Real quick, just a wrap up. All right, have at it. It was a good time. Tell people what you're talking about. Learned a bunch. Um, I'm talking about the Fishing Careers Workshop, hosted by the Linders. It was up on Gull Lake, and it's basically a conference, um, or pretty much a class almost. Uh, There is a host of different speakers uh, that make their living in the fishing industry in one way or another. And they just share their experiences, answer questions, all kinds of good stuff like that. So when you go to one of those, you know, you bring your notepad or they have them there, whatever, you'll, you'll learn a bunch. You get to chit-chat with the pros. You get to chit-chat with Al. Um, uh, Gussie was up there. There was there was tons of good people um, within the fishing industry. But that opportunity has come and gone. It's going to be next fall once again up on Madden's and Gull. I'm sure they'll be blowing it all over social media. Target Walleye will share it. Yep. You know, all the, all of Linder's stuff. This was the second one? Yeah, this was the second yep. one, yep. And uh, last year they had Fighter. You know, they got a couple of big bass guys. They got people who are within the you know media side of things. They have Brett Nicomis, um both years. Um, they've had Matt Johnson up there, Joel Nelson. Um, you know, all, all the Linder's are there mm-hmm. and uh most of the time they MC, but you know you kind of get a meet and greet and whatnot but uh anyways good opportunity and no matter how far along you are you'll always be able to learn so it's always a good opportunity to go to but i would say it's comparable to the npa npaa conference is it yeah yeah except for it's wrapped up in one day shorter a little bit less personal than the npaa conference but you know once again a little different things they're talking yep. about how they paved their way in order to make a living in the industry or or what however they fell into whatever they're doing mm-hmm. whatever magical steps they took they're just they just share their journey whereas the mpa it might be a little bit more specific on how to do you know how it is. Yeah, yeah, they they cover a whole gamut of professionalism and and kind of how to I mean they have building resumes and right. how to work Tax, with the media taxes. and taxes and yeah, they got all sorts of stuff in the NPAA conference. So yep. product that, breakthrough, yep. you know, but that is something and this podcast will drop before this event. Yes, it will. It so will I be. would highly suggest anyone. If, yep. If you are not part of the NPAA, the National Professional Anglers Association, and you are a tournament fisherman, a guide, somebody who wants to be in the industry, your product company owner, look it up. NPAA, National Professional Anglers Association. Uh, there's a bunch of different companies that they work with. Um ton of different people the conference is a good time it's actually here in the cities twin cities yep, area this time so i don't have to drive five hours away january I'm, i get to go home twin and sleep cities. in my own bed now yep. <laughs> so thank you fellas for making it here uh yeah check it out 
Let's head over to the website. If you got any questions, shoot me a message. I'll help you out. Kyle will help, help you out. Uh, we're always, you know, they're looking Stephen for members. Stephen Peach is the president. Stephen Look Peach. him up on Facebook. Yep. Jimmy Bell. They, they've both people. been yep. within that organization. And yep. So it's a it's a good time. Um, you learn a lot, and you make great connections. I made a lot of really good connections through that through them. So it's not just about the discounts you get on. Products. No, no, you, you do. Know, yeah, you I mean, can sign up yep, and you can literally yep. get discounts. You don't have to worry about doing the pro staff sponsor thing. You're gonna nope. get discounts. Yeah, they work that. a lot of companies, so you get a lot of good discounts. But it's not about that. It's just a bonus. Yeah, you know. The biggest thing that I took from it was going to that conference. That's something I'm not gonna miss, just because of the networking. You know, you get to see people in a non-competitive atmosphere, also. Yep. And everybody's there with the same thoughts and the same passion it's not too often especially in a non-competitive environment where you get a group of fishermen that literally everyone's open-minded and you know loves the atmosphere everyone it's it's just a great time and then to go to those different seminars and you can pick and choose you know some of them are about guiding this that and the other thing like Mm -hmm. we were talking about Mm -hmm. earlier and i would highly suggest anyone within the five state area to travel well, to Minneapolis. There's members all over in the place. I mean, yeah. New York. I was talking, I think you guys from New York and right. East coast, West coast. Yeah, all a lot of guys place. from Pennsylvania, yep. New York. So it's, it's a, it's a real good organization to check out, become part of, um, you know, like some companies that work with them, you can't be on their staff, like offshore tackle, offshore tackle, planner boards. You cannot be on their staff unless you are an NPA member. Oh yeah. Which, at first, I was like, "What?" But they want professional people that are going to do the job of what you know, what they're well, supposed you just, to. So you learn so much just listening to different people. Like whether you're, you know, the top dog, and you think sh- you know, you're yeah. only going to limit yeah. yourself not by not hearing someone else's story or how they do something. Whether you take it all in or not, that's on you. But just the people you surround yourself with and the people you get to meet. Like I met Gary and Keith down there last yep. year and they talked my ear off and I'm sure I sat there and fangirled and blushed and had sweaty <laughs> armpits and tried to shake their hand and it looked like <laughs> hey, I is just that a flicker metal in myself. your pocket, Gary? Yeah. yeah. Kyle, are you excited? Yeah. Well, I talked to, I, I sat down, uh, talked to Mark Menendez uh, two years ago. He yep. was, he was the kind of the key, one of the key speakers this year it was kevin van dam right um but i sat down next to mark menendez he was sitting there i sat down you know oh, what's going on you know he's he's a bass pro i think he's an elite series guy i mean he's the pros pro kind of guy right great guy I sat down did we talk about fishing no we we're talking about pie and food and all sorts of other stuff well, it was yeah. hilarious He's all sudden, I'm like, hey, you doing good? You know, blow. and I don't even know how he got on pie. He started talking about this pie <laughs> that he had somewhere. And so we're talking about food. We're talking about this and the other. But yeah, it was it, it's it was a good time. And it's one of those things where everybody there wants to meet people. Yep. If you want to meet people and work with people, work with companies, start opening these doors, opening these relationships up. This is the place to go. If you run into somebody there that doesn't want to talk to you, well, let everybody else know because they don't belong. Right. You know. <coughs> yeah, it's a it's a real good organization. So, but yeah, you, you had a good time, learned some stuff at the the other one. Yeah. Um, oh yeah. Yeah, and then it was funny too seeing Al cuz I I've always obviously watched him, you know, and he's one of the most in- instrumental people like in any type of fishing ever to cross the face of the earth. But uh last year I met him at the NPA when he did his little speech, you know, and I was talking to uh John Hoyer, and he swung by and said hi, you know, kind of introduced myself or whatever, and, uh, you know, seen him again um, later in the conference, and, uh, 
yeah, whatever. You got you get a little face recognition, like ah, oh, you know, whatever. But uh, up at Rays in Perham, when uh, they had their grand opening last year, who was their featured speaker? Lonson Al Linder, right? Mm-hmm. So he's doing a seminar out of my boat, right? So I get oh, to out take, of your boat, really? Yeah, yeah. Nice. It's on the showroom floor. You know, I'm selling boats and you know doing my little speaking thing or whatever and whatnot. And you know, I'm like, God, I get, you know, like anything I'm doing, like. Freaking Al Linder's here. What the hell, you know? <laughs> You're fanboying. <laughs> yeah, like I can't even talk about fishing right now. This dude's standing in my boat. That's like, funny. But anyways, so, uh, you know, and I got to talk to him, and I was always kind of quiet because when I meet someone like that, I don't want to say a word. Like mm-hmm. I just want to be like maybe maybe throw out a little something for them to go off of, and then I want to hear them talk for an hour, and I want to try to absorb everything into my meathead brain. And, uh, well, anyways at the fishing careers workshop he kind of gives me a sideways look you know or whatever he's like uh, you know about we're about to start talking and he kind of gives me a look or whatever he's like how are you doing and i'm like uh i'm doing good how about you he's like you know like trying to put a nail you know put a nail in the coffin like yeah. where where do i know you from or whatever i was like oh yeah you did a seminar on my boat and just like that boom yeah. It was, you know, he just started going off and he's yeah. like talking about this and that. And how'd you do on Big Stone? Like he remembered everything, you right. know, obviously yep. he meets thousands of people, but like. No, he's a good one. How are you going to, how you going to pick? Yeah. And, he, and I, I don't know. There was so many people there. He was the last person in the building, you know, talking yep. to people, like yep. not just like take, everyone had everything stripped out of the place. Al is still talking to people. He's been around. He's been around. He doesn't, he and he's just talking fishing. He wants to further the fishing industry. He oh, wants yeah. to further the fishing world. He wants to help people, you know, get places and do things and make fishing bigger. And it goes to show when he does things like that and he sticks around till the last person's gone, you know, because he's he's done it all. He doesn't yeah. have to do it anymore. He doesn't want to go home. At this point, he he's, just trying, loves it. he's trying to hand the torch off to yep. not just one person, but everybody. And he, and he had me, talked about yep. that up there, too, yep. you know. Yeah, if you guys want to see an impassioned... Uh, presentation go to youtube go to npaa search that go to the national professional anglers deal and it's uh the first one i think it was um i just had it up actually uh look it up again here quick but he absolutely is just gives an incredible presentation and i wasn't there live he crushed it last year i wasn't there live uh national professional anglers association look it up and go to, let's see, go to videos, and then passion, the fuel for successful journey presentation. Uh, 360 views, uh, apparently it was put up only a week ago. I thought they put that up a long time ago. But anyway, so that's the one there with Al Linder. And at one point, he lambastes industry execs. Yeah. With a golf club. We'll just leave it at that. We it, won't say what he did. Yeah, he talks about the passion. Like, <laughs> yeah. if you, if, if you yeah. watch this, there is no way, especially if you live close enough, you are not going to go to this year's conference. Yeah. Just, you feel so... I don't so, know if he'll be a speaker there again this well, year. Well, right, Probably but not, just, but. I mean, Kevin Van Dam, it was the same thing. He yeah. left you with that same feeling. Oh, yeah. You're going to be so energized after you leave this, talking to like-minded people, meeting new people. Yeah. You know, it's... It's nuts. You're going to be amped for three months thinking about next year. You know, I'm already oh, yeah. sitting here just jittering about next season, yep. and, and we don't even have and, ice yet. Right. And just the connections from being in an organization like that. There's over, a little over 1,000 people now. I think I started, it was only like seven or 800. Um, 
It's just a good organization to meet people, you know, just to make connections. Yeah, and a it lot might... Of, a lot of guides, man. If you ever want to go anywhere and do anything, you know, go to this, talk to people, talk to the guides that come from all over the place, Michigan, Wisconsin, Pennsylvania. Yeah, they'll they'll give the you place, all man. kinds of knowledge. Knowledge, go out there and go fishing with them. Yep. A lot of them just want to, you know, they get free time too. They might not even, you know, charge you. I, right. I talked to a couple of guys. They're like, anytime you want to come out and fish, come on out. We'll go fishing. Right. So... All right. Well, with that said, it's past my bedtime. Yeah, me too. So I, I got to get up at 2.30 in the morning, Doug, so. Yep. Well, you could have told me. Could've well, put, it's okay. Could have put this off. Dude, a couple wait, wait, you're 27. A That's couple right. rock you're stars, young. and I'm ready to go oh, turn God. up the tunes. Yeah, well. You know, some Gucci Mane. <laughs> Gu- Gucci what? I secretly know what you're talking about, Kyle, <laughs> but for the... <laughs> For the people, I gotta act like I'm the old oh, guy. Oh, some some Waylon what, Jennings. What's going? Some, some... Gucci, Gucci. <laughs> is that a shoe? I think that should be the outro. I think you is should play him like a little, the, little Gucci. I can't. Man. I can't. I'll <laughs> we'll get, get kicked s- off. Get kicked off of YouTube. I put this up on YouTube, and they won't let me play it. All right. All right. Yeah. All on right. That note. We'll all right. Fine. We're on that note. We'll do it again. Kyle will be our resident token guy that we just bring in when we don't have anybody else. Yeah, pretty much. He likes to talk a lot. I, I know. I like listening to you talk, too. You talk more than I do. I like looking into the beard. On that note, thanks, Kyle. (laughs) (laughs) All right, everybody. Until next time. All right, big thanks to Kyle for hopping on the show again. I guess we'll just name this one Code Brown. (laughs) Oh, my God, there's bears everywhere. Thanks to allicefishing.com for being a sponsor of the podcast. You can save 10 to 20% off big box store prices on all sorts of stuff like apparel, ice augers, fishing electronics, fish house accessories, ice fishing accessories, portable shacks, rattle reels, tip-ups, rods and reels, all sorts of stuff. Plus, they keep adding to the website all the time. Okay. These people are fantastic folks. I've known them for a couple of years now before the podcast, before all the, you know, the the website and everything. They wanted me to help them out. I said you, you I'm going to help you out. Would podcast or not doesn't matter. Okay, so check them out allicefishing.com. Like I said, 10 to 20% off the big box prices. So go over there, save some money, and they do cool stuff like you buy something and you get something free they do that every once in a while so keep an eye out for that go to their facebook page go to the website www.alliceficing.com all right so that wraps up the podcast thanks for listening give us a like on facebook check out the website www.sdopodcast.com we are on instagram twitter snapchat we don't do a lot because you guys aren't there. So head over, find us. If you can't find us, message us on the Facebook page and say, hey, how do we find you on these things? And we'll direct you to the right right uh, place. All right. So next week is, I believe, Bodie Gabler. I believe that is on who's the po- who is on the podcast next week. Let me just double check and make sure I do believe. Yes, it's Bodie Gabler. So we're going to be talking about musky fishing offshore fishing and texas hunting okay it's a pretty good pack pretty good episode so until then everybody have a wonderful day and we will see you next time goodbye